All right, the interns are kicking this off, everyone. Welcome back to Carpets and Coffee. Eric will be joining us shortly. He's a man of many hats, many talents, and he's a busy guy, as you all know. So he's going to pop in when it suits him, which is quite Charlie Sheen of him, actually. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of cool. It works for him, you know? Well, you know, he comes in, his hair's combed, he's got a nice button-up, his glasses, his AirPods. He's like, man, check me out, you know? I'm yeah. like, shoot, look at this classy man. Also, I don't think I've thought about Charlie Sheen in a few years. That was a good one. Tiger <laughs> good blood. Yeah. Tiger blood. Winning. <laughs> Winning. Charlie Sheen used to donate um, to the Santa Barbara Zoo. He might still do so. Oh, cool. uh, Every year, he was a big a big donor uh named some flamingos and penguins and stuff like that and uh, we'd see him like driving on the back now nah, we never had tigers keep him away from the tiger <laughs> yeah we didn't we didn't have tigers so no ah. issues there but uh yeah i'd see him dressing all black wearing a hat and dark shades like being whisked away in a golf cart in the back i'm like let's see you <laughs> that's awesome that reminds me i saw on on facebook last week uh the my old boss at the Vivarium said that Nicolas Cage used to be a customer mm. when, he, when he lived in San Francisco. Yeah, that's what. Isn't that where he got that water monitor from that he had? I didn't even know he had one. That's awesome. Oh, he had Probably. a water monitor for years, and then I think he just surrendered it to L.A. Zoo or some oh. zoo or something a couple years ago. So, well, that would have been crazy working and seeing Nick mm-hmm, Cage walk in. Mm-hmm. Protect your declarations of independence yeah <laughs> shoot shoot serious um jonathan barris's cute matching cups oh yes. yeah you too could be cute yeah. and match with us this is available in the npr network uh teespring store it actually makes your coffee taste better too you, you got to mm-hmm. try it to find out so I'm I'm actually drinking a new a new bean a new roast. I ran out of my peace coffee, and Rachel and I are doing this uh, this grocery delivery thing now through this company called Imperfect Produce. But it's not just oh, nice. produce; yeah. it's like overstock things that are like they look different or like broken stocks on things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had this. I t- had to take a photo of it just so I could remember what it is. But it looks like that. Equal it's exchange, an, nice. Yeah, I've equal exchange coffee. Yeah, and and this one's more of a, a medium roast, organic mind, body, and soul blend of medium <laughs> and Vienna roast, smooth and creamy with chocolate notes. Yeah, <laughs> you do have the radio voice. You made for podcasting. Smooth <laughs> and creamy. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well, for me, I'm doing that blue bottle. Blue bottle oh, light. Oh yeah, yeah. And light, huh? I like all the roasts, but I've been doing dark pretty consistently, so I'm trying to mix it up. Mm-hmm. Get some light roast, a little bit more fruity, okay. acidic. You know? Yeah, I feel yeah. If I go if I go too long drinking straight dark roast like every day, I need like a serious break from coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah it's a lot. That's that you know what I, yeah, yeah. It can wreck you if you have too much of it consistently. You know what I had the other day was a uh, Starbucks nitro cold brew. It was the first time I've been to Starbucks in forever and uh, was going through with my coworker and I was like, what do I get? I don't go to this place. She's like, <laughs> so I just tried something on the screen there and I was like, Hey, this is not bad. So uh, it's, I'm not used to drinking coffee cold, but it was delicious and it was fluffy and oxygenated. I'm hey, Brandon's in the house. Good yeah, morning, what's up, Brandon? Brandon? I'm a fan of the cold brew and that yeah. nitro, I don't know. It does cream it up a bit, huh? Yeah. It made it like, like without milk. 
lighter. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is good because I'm finding out the older I get, the the more lactose intolerant I seem to be. <laughs> I've um, been that way forever, so I feel yeah. you. <laughs> and uh, I imagine with the the heat that will be coming this summer, maybe a nitro cold brew will be just the ticket because Sacramento's 105 degree weather will be back before I know it. That's right. Yeah, we can do a, an episode where we all go out and snag one of those before we hop on. Yeah, <laughs> and then goes. we'll all just sit here and complain about the heat. Uh, oh, and uh, Eric, Eric will be like, "Well, it's not so bad over here," and you'll be like, eh, "It's not so bad over here," and I'm like, yeah. "I'm dying." Yeah, thank God for this big old bay over here that sucks up all the heat mm -hmm. <laughs> or mm -hmm. retains the cold. I guess technically, I'm but. I'm right in a valley, so I get wind, I get allergy, get extreme heat. It's Sacramento is kind of a brutal little spot. Yeah, like weather wise, you get the floods too. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yes, flooding is real. Flooding yeah. is real. So, well, on um, the snake front, you got yeah. a pretty cool clutch yesterday, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. That's so awesome. that was the first clutch of the season. Uh, that that's a repeat pairing from 2019. So I got these snakes as red neonates from. Uh, Dan Maleri, he imported them from his uh, his farm that he uses over in Indo. And a bunch of us went in on a group and I raised them up, paired, uh, paired two of them in 2019. Got, I think it was nine eggs and it was 7.2. It was ridiculously male heavy. Gave her last year off and then bred her this year. And she produced 10 eggs and one slug. So two follicles greater in size. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I've filmed it and I'll, I'll be editing the video today um, for my YouTube channel for tomorrow. No, Wednesday. And um, you'll see it there because I literally like discovered it while I was recording. So mm. you'll see my genuine like reaction and assessment of it. Mm -hmm. and uh and after i've been thinking about it i kind of downplayed it but you know it wasn't perfect um and i'm not talking about the slug i'm talking about mom i noticed you know she had an irregularity in her spine and kind of on the sides of her right and uh kind of moved her around let her move touched a few spots on her did some thinking, talked to some people, went back and looked at her, took some more photos, did some thinking, talked to some more people. I've talked to former vet techs and mm. other, you know, carpet folks. I've talked to Nick um, and nobody seems to have seen or heard of anything similar to this. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't really think interesting. Yeah. Like yeah. nobody's ever seen anything like it. I thought for sure you know, maybe Nick would have seen it or heard of it or something like that in all right. of his years, but Somewhere um, along the way. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you can see it, but you can see just kind of how it's just... weird the contour on the skin there coming up the flanks. And there's like a lump on her back. Something's out of whack for sure. And, and I had taken that hide out in anticipation of her, um, of her dropping eggs soon because it's heavy. Uh, I felt it would constrict her ability to lay. So I took that out and gave her a bunch of sphagnum moss and she didn't like that. She didn't like being exposed. So she went under the paper. Hmm. So she had tons of room around and above her. 
So it's right. not like she was confined by space, but yeah, after pulling her off the eggs, there's a spot in pretty much the middle of her back where like if I hold her and you know how you hold a snake like this, they kind of just have this drape, right? Hers mm-hmm. would stay rigid like this opposite contour arch there. And there's a spot mm-hmm. on her spine where it feels like there's a knuckle on it. And then on the sides, it almost feels like there's a couple broken ribs or something. And I have no idea how that could have happened. Yeah. And while we're in the green room, you know, I just look at her and checked on her for the first time this morning and the back half of her, she's like trying to twist and wrap a clutch, but not like, not what normal, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of that phantom clutch behavior looks like where they're in a circle and their whole body's doing it. Her whole back half was just kind of like pretzeled up in this weird thing. And dude, it, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's like a nerves thing or That's, or something that's... broke and she's just in pain and that's just how it's manifesting or mm-hmm. but brutal yeah, yeah i'm surprised too to hear that that especially nick hasn't experienced something like that with his you know thousands of clutches or whatever yeah um, really and this is a wonder, you know if it, if it is directly related to laying that clutch or maybe there was a pre-existing thing that got exacerbated from the eggs right you know like, right it's a, so there's a lot of things that go through my head on it. First of all, it's not her first clutch. So she produced a clutch two years ago. It was two ovum smaller, but she's also had two years since then to put on more mass. Um, in all honesty, when, <clears throat> when I saw her on her clutch, I was like, wow, that's a small clutch. Um, mm-hmm. It looked like there was a lot more of her loosely around compared to the egg mass in there. And uh Right. And so, yeah, I was like, oh, this will be fine. You know, small clutch, whatever. She's a small female. She's under five feet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what uh, what happened. We'll see, you know, if she takes food. I've got a meal pulled out for her thawing today. So I'll mm-hmm. see if she wants to eat today. Um, and uh, I might try and get her into Madison Avenue Veterinary Clinic out here in Fair Oaks. They have some uh, excellent uh, exotics vets on staff that deal with snakes regularly. Um, so I might finally go out there and uh, and see if they can see anything on x-ray. Yeah. If, uh, if it's just a, a spinal irregularity that needs to heal, if it's broken ribs that need to heal, and if it's going to be some permanent, like, you know, thing for her where her back is always a little wonky and she always has this weird thing you know, then the question comes into play. Was it uh, the breeding that did this or was it a congenital issue underlying that was exacerbated by the calcium devotion? We all know that these animals put on a lot of weight and stock up on resources for egg development and the body produces the calcium uh, from, you know, those fat stores. And if they don't have enough calcium deposits, then the body will grab calcium from wherever it's available. And then they start going to the the places where you don't want it pulled from, i.e. the skeletal structure and it weakens bones. And so the only thing I could think of is um, her body tried to produce 11 eggs uh, and it just wasn't enough to go that distance and pulled some calcium out of a weak spot in her back or something. I don't know. Right, I right. really like everything's all speculation up to this in point. Theory, you know? though, that makes a lot of sense. And then just maybe something about the, the contractions and the motion of, of getting those eggs out, 
you know, if the spine was already weakened, maybe it just mm -hmm. got tweaked the wrong way, you know, some mm -hmm. kind of stress fracture or something that maybe is swollen up. I don't yeah. Know. It could have even just been me, you know, gently pulling her tail around and undoing the exit did it if there was a weak point. Sure. And it makes yeah. me think about how, uh, how much of a focus that is for monitor breeders. So a lot of monitor breeders are very aware of how much calcium their, their animals are eating because they have such dense, hard shelled eggs mm. and it takes a lot out of the females and how they multiple clutch in a season. And, uh, I've been doing some digging after pulling that clutch yesterday and, and looking up things in the world of reptile supplements. And that's another area where there's not a lot of, um, not a lot of community insight. People just haven't dove into that that much. Right. And I did find that uh, after our last uh, stream, somebody reached out and sent me a link to uh, the Da Vinci's Boa, Da Vinci Boa's video from January talking about their uh, oral uh, calcium and and liquid supplement that they designed for their snakes and how they've had ball python breeders and folks use it and seeing animals kind of get back on food after a, a fast or a winter much easier um, you know just keeping females healthy after egg deposition he uses it a lot with his boas hmm. I have to think that there's probably some application to Morelia I don't think this right. supplement is you know, exclusive. So, um, I wrote him a message and I, I checked out on, on their social media and they've got a new batch of stuff coming, uh, uh, in like a week or so. So I'm going to try and get my hands on a bottle of that and start yeah. doing some supplementation, at least for the, the breeders. Right. No, that, that sounds like a great thing. And I know, uh, Zach has mentioned to me that he adds calcium powder to trout when he's feeding falsies. Mm -hmm. Um, so, it, it certainly is done. And, and like you're saying, when, when they need that heightened level of that nutrient for the eggs, you know, it really yeah. seems like it would be a no brainer to kick that up a little bit when you know that you're, you're leading up to a, uh, yeah, a breeding season. Yeah. Yeah. Just on a biological level, speaking of ins and outs, it makes sense. You know, totally. the, the female is devoting so much of her physio physiological self and resources to creating extra and more mass right so she's right. using what she has internally to make this it's up to us to make sure that we put that back in or help her get that back up right and uh i obviously supplementation can't hurt anything unless you're like overdosing heavy amounts of calcium but right. um <laughs> yeah not reptiles but i know that in largemouth bass <laughs> in the mm. springtime they stop gorging on fish and they start gorging on crayfish because mm. they need the calcium from the crayfish exoskeleton for their eggs. So, you know, it's mm. like, it's definitely a thing in nature to, to get what you need when you need it from, mm -hmm. from your dietary preferences. But it's interesting, you know, you would think that the snake would get a good kick of that from just the skeleton of a rat or a quail or whatever, you know? So I do wonder, um, you know, how much they need and, and whether it should be provided just by a whole prey yeah. item or, or what, you know, so maybe that's where the diversity factor helps things, sure. you know, think yeah. of how much keratin is it a, a bird prey item in the feathers and the beak and, mm. and toes and legs stuff. Um, so that's, right. that's interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, it's like, it's what 
a lot of people have said to me, you know, because obviously I'm looking for my first clutches this year, but just that idea that breeding your your snakes is quote like the most dangerous thing you can do mm-hmm. to them. You know, it's it's I guess that's just a reminder that that that's kind of true and something to <laughs> yeah. think about. Yeah, it doesn't always go well, you know. Like I'm still not out of the woods with the Kribo, you know, she hasn't laid that clutch yet. And right. a whole host of things can go wrong in that. So it's uh it's kind of a crummy reminder when it comes in the form of your animals, yeah. you know, getting hurt. Um so <clears throat> we'll find out uh you know as we can what we can. And if crossed, yeah, if she, uh, if she has to be retired, I do have somebody locally, um, who would make an excellent, uh, sort of geriatric care home for this animal. She's got a couple other carpets. Um, she really loves poplins and, uh, yeah, the nice thing is I already have, you know, uh, the first generation of F1s from her. This is a repeat pairing. Excuse me. Totally just had a coffee burp. <laughs> um, this is a repeat pairing. So these will again be F1s, but um, uh, it'll be a second wave of them, which is nice. Uh, I always think about when Eric talks about what could have happened if he didn't make responsible choices when breeding poison ivy before she yeah. passed. And not that this animal can be compared in the same sentence to poison ivy, but she is very dark. He is very um, dark. And he did mention in our chat too, I wish he was here to talk about this, um, that I think, didn't he say he had seen something similar to your photo of the, of the kink in poison ivy? Yeah. I think he mentioned that. So we'll have yeah, to. It would, it would be curious to see like exactly what, cause it's been a while since I've talked to him about um, the poison ivy situation and events in detail. Mm. um it's always nice to relive that just to kind of talk about the uniqueness of some of the animals that we've had and it just kind of brings back a sort of like a human connection to it like you know yeah yeah, breeders keep a lot of these snakes in mass you know i do um and we can get quite calloused about animals passing over the long period of time but certain ones remind us kind of how special they are so absolutely yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, but I got 10 good eggs, one slug. They're in the incubator. They're looking good. And uh, I'm curious, a couple of the eggs were a little more oblong and large in mass than some of the others. Uh, I've never had twins, but I'd be curious to see <laughs> if I get twins out of those ones. Yeah, the, some, so, some really big ones, huh? That would be cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting. So um, either way, I hope I, I get, you know, 10 eggs that go the distance because, um, you know, this is, so when I did this pairing in 2019, uh, the whole idea behind it was to make some really good, like new blooded, unrelated to everything else in the United States sort of thing. Um, right. Just fresh pop wins and then you know, put them in the hands of people who would continue that and do the same thing. And so the first, the first wave of them, I didn't sell a single one of them. I gave them to a handful of, uh, of friends, Tony, Eric, Terrell, uh, Jacob Bratz, Justin Smith. Um, and then I kept three 
There was one other that went out. So I'm hoping that with this clutch, probably won't need to keep much, if anything. And then, uh, and then, you know, complete uh, the pair because I was very male heavy. So I want to send Tony a female. I want to send Eric a female. If Terrell wants a female, I owe him a female to match up with his. But he also said he's kind of switching over and kind of closing his Morelia doors and doing some call you bird stuff. Um, What? (laughs) Yeah. He's got hog nose and uh, black pines and some cool, some cool things. So sweet. um, He's also had a, he's had a, a rough go with the Morelia stuff over the years, things passing projects we've been involved on going South. And so um, gotcha. Yeah. Corey Martin asks, were the babies dark last time? Yeah, they were real snappy and real dark. Um, they're coloring up now. I see photos from the folks I've sent them to, and they're starting to get some of that burnt orange coming in. Uh, nice. The two females that resulted that I have uh, have stayed dark, but yet again, they're they're definitely putting on well see now she's looking really light and orange so i don't (laughs) i don't know um they're not very friendly though which is kind of curious because all well i should say all um the majority of my pop ones are really chill these f1s came out real tense all the time just like really just like bam every time just ready to just hit and uh they're mellowing out now each winter seems to chill them out a little bit more and more Hmm. but they, I don't know if that's just because they're F1s and the parents. So my parents, the, the parents of those, I got in 2016, January of 2016, or no, March of 2016, um, as little fresh red neonates. And Dan right. had imported them from the farm. So their parents were wild-caught popwins that produced on the farm, which would make these things captive hatched. Mm-hmm. Uh, red neonates but from wild parents so then these are the f1s from those founding stocks so you know maybe that relation and that that distance from the wild is why they're so defensive and kind of instinctively driven like that totally um, yeah i kind of expect this clutch to be the exact same way so that'll be fun uh little little blood donors and yeah, I, um yeah I'm curious as you keep getting more generations of that same uh, line right like if, if you do notice like say at f3 it's like oh they're all puppy dog tame now you know it took that yeah. many generations out of the wild yeah. for them to that'll be <laughs> to sort of an that. accidental anecdotal thing because i do yeah. plan on uh pairing a pair of those siblings together once they are ready um the odd thing is because the female is so dark the male has his dark and light phases but he's got some times where he's like fired up super orange right so i have to feel like that's where a lot of the offsprings get some of that that Mm. color it's just interesting to see which phenotype sort of dominates and all the babies you know baby ijs pop wins whatever they hatch out red right but there's like varying degrees of red there's like this blood red there's like a pale red there's like a brown red uh and then you can start to see this color palette come in you see the ones that are gonna have more of the black and violet lavenders with some yellow and white and then you can see the ones that are a little more orange and have color right out of the gate um but then they change a ton so and then they change after that some more and speaking Ah. of speaking of ijs the the man himself taking a nap (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was getting oh, my man. coffee. <laughs> nice. Can't have carpets and coffee without coffee. Yeah, you, true. He has a point. Yeah. Good to see you, man. How you doing? Pretty good. How about you guys? Doing good. Doing we were just chatting well. about Riley's uh, pop one clutch and nice. The state of mama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so dude, Eric. I was checking on her right before the stream. Lucas asked in the green room, and I go to look at her. And you know how after a carpet uh, lays a clutch for the next like day or so, they're still like kind of beehiving, almost that ghost clutch that behavior. Uh huh. It's like her back half was trying to do that, but not her front half, and it was just like pretzeled amongst itself in this unnatural like she's still trying to squeeze something away but she's empty it's the dude it's so weird it's really weird and i and i'm starting to think that like somehow in the process of trying to push out these eggs or whatever um because of the calcium use because there's a bigger clutch than her last one I I have to feel like something went wrong and it weakened her skeleton. It feels like there's broken ribs on the side, like they're very tender and loose. And on the top, it feels like there's a knuckle where the spine used to be. I got to get her in for an x-ray, but it looks like she was probably uh, prone to something like this from a congenital aspect. And then the breeding just exacerbated it. But scary seeing her like this man it was was just really weird seeing her all twisted up in this unnatural like wrench you know like if you took a rope and just you know what i mean yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean so but and then we were talking about how i got i got 10 eggs and one slug so it's slightly bigger and then some of the eggs are like bigger than usual so maybe that played a role hmm do you think that uh you know she's definitely doesn't have anything left in her yeah yeah i can feel there's nothing left in her um i i like you know i tried to squeeze her out like tube of toothpaste you know went down the line and uh there's nothing in there nothing in there oh shit did we start at one o'clock i I thought 130 (laughs) that's why i'm looking at the time here and it's like wait 26 minutes what what happened it's all good man no you're allowed you get the the forever free pass it just adds uh, to the mystique you're fashionably late it's a musician thing we get it oh yeah yeah we were the opening act (sighs) you're the mainstay and here we are you gotta make them wait you gotta make them wait yeah um hmm. That's a that's a, that's a weird one, man. Do you think that? Um, so she was a uh, farm hatched, right? She was from yeah. that. Cl- yeah, mm. yeah. So her parents are wild caught IJs that were brought into the farm, produced their clutch, their captive hatched, imported in, raised up, and the offspring are true F ones. Hmm. So they they're not related to anything granite. Um, you know, they're as, as true blue wild blood as possible. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess sometimes these things happen. Like I was telling you, uh, this is sort of what happened with poison Ivy and, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ryan, <laughs> me and Phil <laughs> Burke and Wolf. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, she sort of, um, so a couple things happened with her. She was having the first year, I had a problem with her. She had a respiratory infection. Um, and I, I believe that was because the male that I put her with was the tiger IJ that I got from Mike Curtin. And this thing was humongous, you know? 
um, it was it was it was fed on the old school carpet python diet, you know. So mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. it was just ginormous, and I think it stressed her out, um, and ultimately respiratory infection came around. She didn't have a clutch that year. The following year, which was just actually wasn't even the following year, come July, I think it was July or August. She was she started to look like she was gravid. And I remember saying, like, this is so weird that she would have eggs in her in July. Like it just mm. and she wasn't even with the last male she was with was with that tiger. Um, so I, I was confused. I took her to the vet here. She did have a clutch and he tried to, um, she had sort of the same thing, like the back end of her, her back end of her body was limp. It, she mm. had like no, you know, like no muscle control. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. And then <clears throat> what ultimately he, he tried to give her, what's that drug that they tried Oxytocin. to, oh, yeah, I think that's it. It induces her to lay. Yeah. So they gave her that, and then the next day she was dead. Yeah. So Oxyto- I don't know oxytocin is harsh. Um, I don't know if she died from – Right. Because the eggs were – you know, he didn't want to push the eggs out because, yeah. you know, he was sort of like – and he was kind of stumped that she was having um, – what do you call it? Uh, issues – I mean that she was having a, a clutch, you know. He's like, yeah, this is like kind of weird odd. for Python like, times. Her body just yeah. totally decided to spontaneously spawn another cycle of of eggs. Yeah, I don't know, man. It was it was very strange. We, another um, weird, another weird thing that um, so respiratory infection wise. Another weird thing about her is when we did a close inspection of her, her one nostril was almost closed, not because hmm. it was blocked by anything, but just because. That's how just how she was. It was smaller. Yeah, I have a picture of it somewhere. I'll have to send it to you guys or whatever. But like, you see her one, you know, the one is normal size, and the other one is just like barely an opening. So, mm. you know, I would imagine that that has to, you know, maybe the stress and the fact that she has basically one nostril. I don't, you know what I mean? They don't open mouth breathe. So, right, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Not, so that puts yeah, a okay. lot of extra work on the uh, the respiratory system. I think they can, but if they're doing it, something's wrong. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can pull air in through their glottis, but usually right. that's when they're, right, right. there's a, a bigger issue. You know, it's interesting because this girl, she's not necessarily limp in the back, but it, it, that, that spinal irregularity is smack in the middle. And the issues seem to be occurring in her back half or at that site location. But um, we have uh we have a female ring python at the shop mm-hmm. that at a certain point, like a third, like two thirds of the way down her body, the back end of her tail is just flaccid, limp, floppy, like doesn't shed. She goes to the bathroom just fine. But like if I touch her above that. Oh, what happened? Yeah. If I touch her below oh. that line, um, <laughs> she doesn't even register it, you know? So right, it's weird. I, I've seen that before. I've seen the 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 like partial paralysis beyond a certain point. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, another guy locally has that with one of his Woma pythons. So I I have mm-hmm. seen that, and I have heard of that in monitor lizards um, in relation to 
uh, egg production and the size of a clutch internally putting so much pressure that it like pinches a nerve temporarily. Uh, I've seen that in monitors, but they usually, you know, once the eggs are out, then it kind of comes back. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Huh? Hmm. Yeah. Spines are tricky. Spines and nerves. Yeah. Bad things can happen. (laughs) So I, and then the other thing I was talking about was, you know, I'm glad I, I bred her responsibly the first time, kind of how we were talking about with poison ivy. Like imagine if you hadn't um, gotten, you know, true blue, pure babies out of her and and this will be your second clutch. And so, you know, I'm going to try and get her into a a vet and get an x-ray and get some answers. But, um, you know, if she's got to be retired, that's that. And uh, I've got somebody locally who I could, you know, place her with to be her forever home uh, who would take really great care of her. And then, you know, I would just have to focus on her offspring. Hopefully this clutch, I get a better gender ratio. And I I was telling Lucas that the first go around, I I did that pairing specifically to get these offspring to put them in the hands of the people who would then continue that sort of trend um, and, you know, really value that and and make sure that there's somewhat of a good diverse healthy bloodline of these animals available and that this second go around is uh kind of the same thing Mm -hmm. um in the hopes that at the very least i get enough females to put in the hands of folks like you who have males from that uh and then maybe have like one or two to offer for sale sort of thing because i've got 1.2 from that first clutch Uh i don't I don't know if I need anything from this one. You know, there's a bigger picture at hand, which is, you know, spreading them out. So if that means, you know, doing the right thing and not keeping any, then that's fine by me. So we'll see what happens. I also have too many freaking snakes. So (laughs) dude, (laughs) I know that feeling, man. No such thing. You just don't have enough house. Yes. Yeah. Well, so here's uh, like I'm looking at like a completely empty hatchling rack. I'm like, well, that's going to be full in a couple months. That yeah. one's going to be full in a couple months. The rest of that's going to be full in a couple months. And then I'm like, shoot, where do I put you? Where do I put you? Where do I put you? Everyone's growing. I'm like, damn it, I need a bigger well, room. I've gone completely Aspidites crazy. I'm losing my my goddamn mind. Yeah, man. <laughs> Aspidites over tea kettle. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's nothing wrong with that. uh, Bills, (laughs) apparently. Yeah. Well, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Um, that's my update. Got a a couple more blackheads coming. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Uh, I I got some Cape York spotted pythons from um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, he's out there on the east. Uh, Davis Thing. So those are beautiful. Yeah. Dave Haston. Haston. Yeah. I don't know why I call him Haston. Yeah. I don't know. You Uh, want to say Dave Mustang. (laughs) Yeah. I got, I got got metal on the brain. brain. (laughs) (laughs) Anger 18. Yes. That's such a good one. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a, a, what I got uh, in the work. Oh yeah. Then I got the female Ruffy coming from Nick. And a total yeah. male coming from Nick. The so, weather finally is allowing that. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think it's probably maybe gonna be maybe next week sometime. I know you the had, spot the spotteds will come uh Wednesday. Wednesday. That's so. awesome. Yeah, you had picked those out a while ago, right? The the roughy. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. 
<sighs> yeah. So. I think that means we have clutch mates then. We have sisters. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's cool. Although I guess all roughies are kind of sisters and distant <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> related siblings. Yeah. Um, are you guys looking to pick anything up this upcoming season? I mean, is there anything on your radar that you, you know, Bradley, you go first. <laughs> I mean, the, the collector and the Morelia fanatic in me uh-huh. always has that list that I need to complete until that's done. So that's inlands. That's Nova's. And that's diamonds. Okay. Uh, diamonds, I don't think I want to get while I'm in this location until I get right. a house. I want to do them properly. So they're a, a for later thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got my buddy Travis who might uh, have some success with Nova's this season. If I need to scratch that itch, I can also hit up Nick. I know. Mm-hmm. Bill uh, Hunt has two clutches on the ground. Billy has some. My buddy Alan locally has some. So. I'm not too worried about those not being available, but I do need inlands. I've been saying that for about three years now, and and I see other people getting them, and it's a constant reminder that I have not made made good on that promise to myself, and I yeah. don't want to see everybody snatch them all up, but the problem is life keeps getting in the way, and I've got $1,000 to fix my car, and I need new tires, and I got all this crap that I got to do, and it keeps pushing that back. So if 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 this year goes well, that's that's kind of where my aim is at uh-huh. um but you know somebody keeps saying hey man do you want some gelatins do you want some more of this and i keep going well sure i you know so somebody who's an enabler is gonna you know throwing snakes <laughs> my way i'm just gonna keep opening the door and say yeah you know like yeah i don't have those so i do need those yes, yeah. yes yeah. Def- you definitely do need gelatins man yeah, you know, yes. they, they, are, they are fabulous I animals too. i know I, I literally want everything i want everything yeah. Every yeah. variation in its pure form, localities, if it's here in the States, I want it. Gammon range, Flinders range, I want it all. Imbricata. I feel your pain, man. <laughs> I remain hopeful, uh, relentlessly hopeful that before we pass, we will, we will have those. Those will be in the States in our collection one day. I hope to be able to tick them two off. There's two I hope to yeah. tick off one day. One would be the Imbricata, and mm-hmm. two would be an Owen Pelly Python. That's yeah, yeah. That's all I'm saying, you know. Yes, yeah. yeah. um, man, that would be fabulous. But I, I got to tell you, man, I've been going down this rabbit hole of other Australian herps, and holy shit, man, that <laughs> there's just there's so much cool shit out there, dude. Man. All the all the knobbies, the blue tongues, the strophorus, the yeah everything everything over there's cool the water dragons yeah man i'm like oh man i'm sitting there plotting in my brain i'm like i could make this the lizard room and just just put cages in here and Mm -hmm. it's not like i have kids or anything and you know my wife doesn't seem to care yet (laughs) (laughs) you know lucky man (laughs) yeah i've seen your backyard you could put another pop-up you could throw a slab of concrete down there you'd be good I've thought about it. <laughs> thought said, about making that whole back a, a yeah. A Put a tent plex. over the swimming pool and then make that a building. <laughs> Just yeah. Drain the pool, <laughs> man. If I if if I if my house was like a property in Florida or something, I would definitely have outdoor cages on my on my uh, yeah on my property. I have diamond pythons outside. Come mm-hmm. on, man, that's That'd crazy. Big lace so cool. monitors and shit outside. Oh my god. Yeah, crazy. they take the cold no problem. 
they're good with it. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it doesn't get below that, you know, you could treat them like a Bradley, you know, yeah. like the thing is with lizards, sometimes they just go to sleep wherever. And yeah. if it's going to get colder later, then they're not going to be able to put themselves away. So you got to have a system of like locking them into like a, a heated box at night, but that you could run that easily with the thermostat and one of those tortoise, those tortoise uh, blanket heater things and yeah. dial that in. So it stays at like 50, 55. So you don't overdo it. You could absolutely do that with Lacey's. No problem. Yeah. That would be sweet. Yeah. 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 They're cool, man. I think the, uh, the biggest one on my list is the Kimberly rocks, but you, mm. what were you going to say? <laughs> well, I know a guy, so he's yeah. getting some eggs. I think, you know, a guy, um, mm -hmm. I've been spending a lot of time with our lace monitors at work. So that like, that those things are, are they're, they? di they're different, man. They're like, I've worked yeah, with water so. monitor. It's just the way they absorb and respond to the stimuli in their direct environment is very different. They are, uh -huh. uh, it's like things are firing upstairs a little bit faster than some of the other monitors. Yeah. Um, and given their, relation to their wild ancestors and the, the close proximity they still like there's nothing domestic about even a chill lace monitor like it just doesn't seem like because i've got the the big black dragon at work that's a puppy dog you can reach and give her chest scratches she leans in she's like oh this is great she wants to come out <laughs> and if you move your hands like in a quick motion she doesn't flinch you go right. in with the lace monitors move your hands fast it kind of flinch like what the what the hell is that you know <laughs> right and uh and if you wiggle your fingers like this they think those are little bugs and so the female she'll like you'll see this flip just like whoa and she'll and you gotta stop real quick and she'll she'll take your fingers off um but they're just different they react very differently um they're much more akin to croc monitors and their body language with that curling tail when they're upset and kind of how they right. posture and position very similar to a lot of tree they're like a big tree monitor hmm. and uh Dude, their claws are no joke, man. Yeah. Um, even even with concrete in the enclosure to file it down, I'm bloody every day just from holding holding that female. Hers are worse than the males for some. So um, that doesn't sound like fun, man. It's oh, <laughs> it's it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, it's mm. it's a lot of fun. There, there's something about something about that feeling when you've got a lace monitor in your hand, it doesn't matter how much. It, oh, well, I guess it does hurt when they stick a claw, like under the cuticle directly in front of your finger. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, dude, they're fun. Cause they, they climb. So they'll put their back foot in wherever. And just, this is right. If it gets in your ear or something like that, they climb on your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unfortunately we did not. When we went to Queensland, we found a dead one. But we didn't ah. find a live one. It was uh, it was pretty big size too. But uh, yeah. yeah, it got smashed in the road. It was yeah. uh, that's the that's the only sucky thing about Australia, man. It's just the whole like you know you find this perfect animal and it's just dead, and you're just yeah. like, we're not allowed to touch it. <laughs> yeah, we can't have them, but cars can just run them over. <laughs> you know, it's like I went no big a, deal. A rabbit hole the other night. I, I just surfing eye naturalist looking at all the reports in australia of woman blackhead sightings and mm, right. yeah probably like five out of ten six out of ten were the smushed ones on the road and it's like damn yeah, it. man but yeah. it's serious cool, road though. mortality yeah i was just curious like looking at those those wild observations what the actual difference is in look between the easterns and the westerns you know and uh -huh. 
there, yeah. it really is different for the blackheads. It was pretty cool to see the gradient as I worked across, you know, mm. there's like 60 pictures up there or so where you can, you see. know, the interesting thing, if you look at their, if you look at their, uh, if you look on Google earth and you look at their range and you kind of overlap it with like what the environment looks like as you go West, the, 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 the color of the sand actually sort of changes. So you can see why they were <laughs> more badass. like black and white on this side, as opposed to, you know, on uh, towards the East coast, it's more of that uh, typical blackhead that we see, you know, right. Like, Woma with a blackhead, you know, right, right. Yeah. Just like yeah, the, are. just like the hybrids at, at work, we've got, oh. we made some <laughs> last year and really? it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, they're growing on me because they're very pretty and orange. It's it's a they're Woma gorgeous. body, yeah. full on Woma A frame body, orange belly, Woma banding. Everything's Woma, proportions, right. length, Woma, Woma, Woma right. until you get to the head. Right. And then it's a blackhead, yeah. and I don't get it. I don't get it. Gold like they have gold chins, you know. So they right. they have that. So you know the gold chin stuff is clearly stemming from some intergrade or something in some fashion or another we made it first go around and uh but they're they're different man i want they're... to hate them but they're gorgeous <laughs> when i visit the <laughs> shop and see them i'm like oh <laughs> I, I call them our abomination snakes and i make fun of them at every moment i can but then but then i make sure to say but they are pretty yeah so there's no doubt about that but it's crazy man because in the shop i can look at womas i can look at blackheads and i can look at these hybrids and i can see <laughs> traits they're just I, Dude, I don't Poor. know. Lomas. Lomas? Yeah. Oh, no, I got Lomas. it. Whackheads. 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 Yes, <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty Perfect. whack. They're Perfect. whack as hell. Yeah, those yeah. are whackheads. But in, in terms of what I want to add, I'm just further and further and further down the Aspidites hole. Like, I, <laughs> I want to really get deep in some Womo projects. And then now with the two blackheads that I'm adding, I just opened a whole bunch of new doors where like now I have a Western. And so I need another Western so that I can make Westerns. You know, I don't want to just cross that. And then right. Swiss line stuff from Jason, like got to keep doing yeah. Swiss stuff. So I guess I have to spend more money on more blackheads too. <laughs> well, you'll be getting some from, from this yeah, year's yeah, breeding exactly. too so you'll have a couple babies coming your way at some point and which do you like better let me see here i'm gonna try to do the fancy thing where i can show pictures okay Ooh, high tech nope it says add the extension can't do it all right well <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because you want to send know... me the pictures and i'll yeah, put them sure. up? I'll, I'll do okay. that real quick but i don't know yeah. that i that i prefer the western thing is super cool, right? Because it's it's that really usually like thinner banding, the black and white, yeah. like a little bit of a smaller snake overall. Like that's awesome. It it kind of fills that, even though there is an exanic, it it kind of fills yeah. that exanic thing without needing to do the morph. Um, right. Then like for the eastern thing, like I love the color, so I really just think they're they're both great in their own right and there's so there's different ways you could go in terms of selective breeding on both sides you know like with the eastern stuff i'd love to just intensify color um, right and bring that out i guess roddy calls it like tangerine or uh, yeah yellow jacket is the other one right so right and then just really refining those 
those bands to be, I guess, thinner, like pinstripe, like the one at your shop, at the shop, Riley, like she's the best looking in terms of banding mm-hmm. as an adult yeah, clean, that I've ever seen. Clean pinstripe, even as adult, yeah, no, it no blending. No, it hasn't gotten that wash mm-hmm. at all that like, mm-hmm. you know, almost all blackheads are beautiful as neonates, right? Yeah. But then somewhere around like the five or six year mark, it looks like somebody put uh, leggings on them and just kind of right. washed it all out, right? I mm-hmm. think Derek has described it that way. But the one at the shop has nothing like that. She's just vibrant, um, right? which is why I'm super excited to see the babies. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, there's just something about really, and I'm getting distracted. I'm going to send you these. Uh, there's something about <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> clean bending just you know kind of thin with with uniform spacing in between you know no no nothing in between that just that really gets it from it's it's the clean patterning as well as the pigment so i don't know it's i'm definitely getting a lot more obsessed with the aspidity stuff not that i'm like getting away from my love for brettles pythons or anything like that but in terms of what i really um obsessed with at the moment is that and and like Wolmas too it's just i i can't stop looking at blackheads and Wolmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the i just sent eric two pictures and maybe we'll pull them up here of, of the uh of the snakes um so that's the a swiss line female from from jason hood and you can just see like that the banding is so so thin uh yeah Especially and, like right, yeah, here. right around there. You know? just, and yeah. that's exactly what the girl at GX3 has. Um, it's just that, that perfect banding. So She's beautiful too. I love that snake. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Western look is uh, a lot more high black on that one too. So That's cool. I'm wondering, you know, you can kind of see there's just some really intense black back going on, but not quite connected enough to look like that tiger stuff that right. Derek works with and, and Riley, that guy that, you know, locally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping maybe that that can be brought out. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Good. Fabulous. Cool. Good thing. As far as inlands go. Hey, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so yeah, for anybody who's interested, um, we're just going to, have a little tangent here we did finally set up the the next tier for the mpr network uh patreon support if you'd like to support we we, thus far we've had it as a five dollar buy us a cup of coffee sort of tier and and uh now you can you can not only buy us a cup of coffee but you can also donate uh the next tier uh it's called the inland carpet python tier and for ten dollars uh a month what it gets you is uh the exclusive access to a vip sort of every other sunday video chat for an hour that we're going to be doing uh 4 p.m pacific standard time 7 p.m eastern standard time and it'll just be a private mpr chat it'll it'll have eric it'll have owen lucas and myself assuming you know we all can make it that sunday it'll be every other sunday and it'll just be a private hour for everybody to come in and ask whatever questions breeding related husbandry related or just anecdotal fun stuff or whatever sure. and it's just another avenue for uh 
for people to support, you know, the network as well as uh, get something out of it. So, um, you know, not that the, the, the ongoing podcasts aren't beneficial for everybody. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that would say they already benefit greatly and immensely from what you, you and Owen have built, but this way they can get a little bit more of a VIP nearly one-on-one, um, sort of experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, like you said, willing to, uh, you know, share whatever, uh, we can share. And if, uh, people have specific questions for, for breeding, I mean, Mm -hmm. between, between the four of us, I think, uh, we pretty much got it covered, uh, in all, in all kind of aspects, but, um, you know, uh, oh, wow. (laughs) Chris already signed up. Chris Sexton. Uh, all right, man. Appreciate Appreciate that, Chris. Yeah. It's, it's great. Because like this stuff is just always trying to figure out like what, what, what is valuable to, mm -hmm. to the listeners, you know, and like Mm -hmm. how can, you know, we make something that, you know, you're not just giving money to give money, but you know, you're, you know, which, which is awesome. And that's kind of why we did the $5 thing. It's just like, if you want us to help us and support us and whatnot, then, um, you know, that's great. But like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like this is our way to give back, you know, I mean, you know, from us personally, I know on NPR, a lot of times we talk more about the guests and it should be about the guests. So, a lot of times it's like our personal experiences and stuff sometimes get peppered in, but like, I, it, it always just annoyed me that, you know, when podcasts would, you know, they were, would talk about have a guest on and the listeners tuning into that guest. And it's just the host just continually talking about their stuff. And it's just, right. I, I'm not tuning in to hear you, man. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I want to hear them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is basically a way to, to keep that, in its pure essence and, and still have another option for people. I I can tell you personally from experience before, uh, before really becoming a, you know, as in depthly involved as I am now, when I was just a listener five, six years ago, uh, just the amount of value that I placed on all of that audio content, whether I knew it was coming or it was something I would go back and listen to, it was just very, very important to me because I felt it helped me grow as a keeper, uh, just understanding other perspectives, where people have come from, where the hobby has come from. And so, you know, as a as a greenhorn and a listener, there's tons and tons of value in that. Right. So yeah. I think I think it's hard for it might be more difficult for you and Owen to see it from the perspective of somebody who's just a straight listener all these years. But, you know, I think a lot of the times people who put themselves out there like you guys do seem almost unattainable to somebody who's new. Well, this is a way for somebody who's new to maybe bridge that gap in a more personal way without, right. Um, without maybe being as vulnerable as they would say, asking a question in an open forum on Facebook Mm -hmm. or, you know, or like when the, uh, when you guys were doing it live and you had the live chat while you were recording, People sure. could chime in and if you if it was something relevant or or you know something that was funny, you guys could bring it up live in the show. Some people may have been too intimidated to bring up a question mm-hmm. like that. And you know, Owen always likes to, you know, kind of break your guys' own balls about, you know, we do this breeding show every year, sort of thing. But it's like, but every <laughs> yeah. year, so you know, every year there's yeah. new questions that arise and new people yeah. involved in the scene. They maybe haven't gone back. So, you know, this is just another way for 
people to get a little little close grab, a little access, get some questions answered, oh, things like that. I remember being super, super scared and intimidated to reach out to Eric for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Listening to the show for a few years. Yeah. I was like, Hello, Mr. Burke. What's HCQ? <laughs> I uh, I'm a big fan, you know. <laughs> like, Thanks for uh, all that's you do. Funny. But it's 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 great. And also just kind of in this uh ongoing COVID era, it it's it's gonna be a great opportunity too, just for community, right? Like we yeah. can't all be together right now, but it's just another space where we can be and, and yeah. talk about the thing that we're all passionate about and toss ideas around. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And I throw it out there all the time, but it's just one more way for everybody to acknowledge the work that, you know, you guys have, have done over the last decade. So yeah. there yeah. isn't a price you can put on that if you ask me. So, yeah. <laughs> Hey, look, I was wondering my uh -oh. Kribo, the female just shed. Ooh, uh, so what's she's that staring at? That means we we've got a month countdown until uh, some more eggs? eggs. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, dude. You want to talk about being nervous? I'm still nervous about that. I no, just laying so eggs, awesome, or though. yeah, yeah. There's a there's a legitimate concern, you know, for females because they don't get as big as males. Um, they need to be a certain size. Uh, like they can have complications if they're too small. Uh, and they have kind of harder shelled eggs with more texture. And so I'm just paranoid. I'm just, I'm treating this whole project. Like I'm not out of the woods yet until I've got babies out and feeding and mom's sure. good. I'm yeah. like, I'm still very nervous, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. hundred percent. But, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a very on its own project. You had to buy a whole other incubator. Like that was, yeah. you know, there, yeah. there's a lot going on for that project. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was talking with somebody about that, um, who's somewhat local and he's got a uh, yellowtail Kribos mm. and he just got a clutch of yellowtails and, uh, they incubate much cooler, which is why I had to go out and get that incubator, which is much harder than you would think right now. If you guys just try and go look on Amazon or any shops or any online stuff, trying to buy an incubator other than sea serpents, hot box where they build it to order sort of thing, right. it's right. hard to find. <laughs> so those exoterra ones or the knockoff brands that are like the little mini fridge that have the cooling feature, <laughs> good luck finding them. There's like one or two on Amazon and you have to get it from China. Hmm. So I need it to cool because these eggs got to be cooked at like 75. Right. So I was talking with somebody about, you know, well, a lot of colubrid breeders, they'll just put the eggs in the box in the snake room and, you know, let the, them, you know, kind of go at ambient. And I, I thought about that and I just know that my room is going to get warmer than that during the day. And I don't want to screw this up. And, at night, yeah. One of those yeah. Sacramento heat waves could knock that all out. <laughs> Yeah. Even, oh man yeah that's that's very real out here so oh 100 percent. Yeah. yeah yeah but anyway cool oh fingers crossed though that's another yeah. one talking about what do you want to add this year Crebo, mm. Crebo mm -hmm. baby <laughs> mm -hmm. oh man yeah i think uh yeah for me <laughs> you know for my my addition is just gonna try to be to to finally round out the you know, I, I've always wanted to do that whole, uh, uh, you know, all the Python thing and, you know, realize that that's going to take like, you know, uh, about like, you know, <laughs> acres and acres that I don't have right, <laughs> right now. But uh, I decided to go the Australian route. And um, I think the only ones that I have left are blackheads, pygmies, uh, you know, that you can get. That's kind of mm -hmm. it. And then I'm kind of there just waiting for. You know those gamma range 
to be produced, uh, stuff like that, you know. But, waiting for, uh, waiting for things trees. to open up a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe well, this question. Maybe after yeah. COVID, you know, Australia will see the value in in having their export open back up, make a little money. Mm. That would be so sweet. Oh, man, that would be the dream. <laughs> we'll but uh, yeah, talking about the different kinds of blackheads though, which which do you think you would want to add to tick that check that box off? Man, that's a, you know, I, similar, well, uh, to be honest, I, I kind of have I, I would like at least a pair of each uh type of there deal. You um Yeah. You know, I <laughs> Let me help you. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> Yeah, I know the, the, those retics. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think I probably like the Westerns a little more, um, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of uh, where, where I lean. But, you know, I look at I look at the stuff that you have, that Riley has, that Keith has and, you know, Jason Hood stock and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I mean, they're just phenomenal animals. So. Uh, and then there's the uh, I was going to share this picture just because it's so damn cool. Um, hold on, let me. Uh, Jason's trying for uh, clutch of albinos this year, which would be, I mean, be interesting. Oh, that one is just unbelievable. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that's just stupid. I will it's sell unreal. my kidneys for you, snake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Come so, on, man. That's nuts. <laughs> so this guy, this guy locally to me, Joaquin, he produced that, and he's got two, you know assumingly normal looking blackheads that clearly have something going on underneath because he's talked to Jason. He's talked to um, Derek about this stuff. So uh, he's, he's keeping, keeping the four babies that resulted out of that. And he's going to try and work that in further, but God damn, that thing looks like a freaking Boland's Python. That is one of the nicest, I guess Roddy calls them tigers that I've ever seen. I mean, the, that, that black back is, just unbelievable and yeah. it's so broad you know yeah. it's more than a stripe it's the entire top of the snake it's like the whole snake is black yeah yeah somewhere i have a picture of the i used to have a blackhead and it was it i i have to give props to derek right it was like uh i was bought i bought a bunch of i bought some of his atherton stuff i bought some of his new guinea stuff you know so i i spent a, a pretty nice amount of money with them and um you know, I, I was on the fence and at the time, you know, I was sort of just up and coming or whatever. And, you know, I, I had said to him, um, you know, I'm really interested in blackheads, but, you know, I want to I want to learn more about them before I pull the trigger and da, 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 da. And, he, you know, talking to him for hours on the phone, he's just, no, nah, man, you you can keep carpets, blackheads or, you know, just, you know, you'll be fine. Right. And uh, he's like, listen, man, I'm going to send you something. But uh, if you don't want it, then send it back. But if you want it, you know. It, you know, it was, uh, you'll see when it gets there. So I get there and I open up this bag and it's a blackheaded Python and he named it Merlin. It was this picky eater and he had a hard time getting it going. And I guess it was one of those things like you feel funny about selling it. You know what I mean? Like one of those type of snakes. And, uh, he, he sent it off and man, I fell in love with that snake. I was like, man, this is so cool. But he had more of a dirty back, not like Mm. how black that, back is but it still was like a i was like a poor man's tiger or black back or whatever you want to call it um but man what what an awesome awesome species yeah. and i did f- he did eat uh a couple bearded dragons um <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I know some that's people awesome. might be mad at that, but uh, that's kind of what that. they kind of <laughs> eat in the wild. And uh, yeah. it was uh, the, the beardy, you know, was was not alive or you know anything. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty neat to see us see a python taken down a, a natural a lizard, prey you know? item. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. 100%, yeah. It makes me think of the photo uh, Lucas shared not too long ago <laughs> in the chat of that woma <laughs> eating a freaking sand monitor. I think it was badass. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't you, wait. Actually, do you see yourself? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I forgot. This year I'll probably be adding womas. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, that one yeah. at the shop is unreal. Mm-hmm. That girl. Yeah, well, we should have two clutches. So, man, I might, Lord I might have to, <laughs> I might have to uh, hit your boss up and uh, you know see what's what because I got that female from Keith. That's just, yeah, man, holy shit, that thing is yeah. nice. You know? Oh, we yeah. can definitely make that work for you. No problem. That's easy. But, but uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's always uh, this time of year is always fun, you know, thinking about what you're going to add. And mm-hmm. Everybody's going to have snake stimulus money. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, mine's going to go to fixing my freaking car. God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs cars anyway? <laughs> I'll walk I... to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but, yeah um, like as a as a full time student right now, I really should use that money for more intelligent, cho- you know, <laughs> decisions. But <laughs> it's like, eh, so pretty. Yeah, but those things are part of your part of your studies in your program, so yeah, exactly. that is I'll, relevant. I'll design a study around aspidites. That is true. Uh, I've been right thinking off. about it, like, you know, hey, everybody here, nobody tell anybody. This is a secret, just for carpets and coffee. But in the long run, like after I graduate, like I want to. If nobody's done it by then, I want to write the book on aspidites. I want to write a book. I want to do the complete nice. aspidites. Damn it! Why not? Nice. <laughs> Needs to be done, man. Yeah. yeah. You know? I like started the Google Doc and made a table of contents. And I'm like, I'm gonna do this. It might take a few years, but I'm just gonna do it because good for that you, man. Fun. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think at, I think at one point Derek had had flirted with the idea of doing something like that, but you know, it never, never came to fruition, but yeah. definitely something that's needed. I think for in sure. one of the episodes, I, I remember him mentioning that and saying, nobody reads books anymore. Anyway, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, yeah. yeah. Like, Dude, if, I, I find myself yeah, reading yeah. more and more books as I get older. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 It, it, you know, even if I'm the only one that, if nobody say I actually do this and it goes well and three or four years from now, I'm like, look, I did it. And nobody cares. Like, Hey, I'll, I'll have it. I can print it out for friends, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, man. I'm sure people will care, man. That's a, that's a, that's a cool well, group. It's just a thought. People like to right collect now. them too, you know, <laughs> like collecting the complete series of books from eco publishers is also a thing too. So yeah. there's value in that. Yeah, yeah. Just a little thought, baby. We'll see what happens. <laughs> see, my my thing is going to take me years and years and years, and I already have sort of the thing. But, you know, I was always, um, you know, I'm fascinated by – I was talking to Justin Smith about this a couple of days ago. But, um, you know, he does this for, for Baird's Rat Snakes, right? He has, like, all these different localities and pictures and all this stuff. And, you know, and when you sort of, like, look at it in this range, you see how they kind of change and stuff like that. But you know, I want to do that for carpet. So, like, the uh, – what is the uh, um, Adventures in Green Tree Python Country or Green Tree Country or whatever it's called? I want to do that, but carpet country, you know, same type of idea where you're just sort of traveling around. You tell these stories 
you find these different, uh, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Like different uh, carpets that localities that people talk about, you know, like Coffs Harbor, where you have the diamonds and the coastal sort of integrating together and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't know, just to see that stuff, seeing a gamma range carpet in for your own eyes or, you know, looking at that kind of stuff and seeing those things, you know, those localities that we have, Port Douglas, Palmerston, all those things, you know, so mm. um, That's I don't awesome. know. Yeah. I would like it, you know, maybe geek geeky carpet people will like it too but uh you know absolutely I don't know. yeah yeah we gotta I think get that would be cool gotta yeah. get down there and make a little little mini film too just a little documentary yeah man <laughs> yeah you know yeah i was thinking about that right as i was driving so I, I ran to the store i come back and as i'm driving back i'm i'm sitting there and i'm listening i'm thinking and i'm like you know um i said man if if this 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 patreon thing gets going and whatnot and 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 we have this money where we can travel and do these dot man how cool would it be to have like legit documentary style uh videos about australian reptiles and seeing mm -hmm. them in the wild and you know oh man that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what i envision like us being able to do with this so yeah, yeah for everybody yeah. who's been on the fence about like what what does the patreon money go to for a lot of like i think a lot of people know that patreon goes to good causes right and they get stuff yeah. out of it. but like we could potentially use that money to put out even more content for everybody like yeah like traveling like you know, even simply just Lucas and I going to visit Eric and Owen's collection and filming that or, you know, filming the various carpet fests or uh, or or, you know, the herping trips that we can go on as a result of it. Uh, we're just going to yeah. pretend Eric didn't just pop out and pop back <laughs> know, in. Right? Um, he did a Houdini. No, no one will notice in the audio, but in the video, they'll be like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that that money can help, you know, help pay for us making more content for you. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think that would be awesome to be able to document, you know, Australia trips, herping trips, species found, species not oh, yeah. found, just looking at the environment. Um, you know, what I really love about Zilla's Beyond the Glass series is that Mike Clarkson, he, when he goes there, he takes yeah. a lot of data and shows it. He shows what the UV index is. He yep. shows these temperatures. Yeah. He shows the habitat, where he's finding the snake and what it's experiencing. Exactly. And yeah. I've, I, I stocked up on that gear before our Australia trip. I have a whole uh, thing that can, you know, just read the ambient stuff. And I've got a buddy who's got a UV meter locally who I can borrow to bring on a trip like that. So we, I would absolutely love to go out and just film like, hey, these are, you know, whatever you find, you just film it. Kind of like um, uh, NKF herping videos, yeah. you know, but in Australia. Australia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How cool would that be, you know, to find... <laughs> a carpet or, or, a, or a blackhead or whatever, and be able to say it is this temperature The you know, the weather is this, it was hiding under, you know, like all that data. Yeah, it's man. just, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing too, is like the benefit of video format is you can get the, the, some of the nuances that you get from conversation. Like when you're describing yeah. a habitat, you can describe how it feels and show it. And so you can really put into words what you, people are seeing and kind of add that extra layer i i personally love seeing videos where people are if they're showing a species that i'm interested they spend some time you know focusing on the environment what it looks like and and where it's found and some of those things and just 100%. talking about that because yeah you can see it and see that it's lush and see that it's green and see that it's dense 
What does that feel like? Mm-hmm. What is, you know, what is, are you sweating? Are you sticky? Are you dry? Is it cold? Is it chilly? Is there breeze? Like all these different things is the air thin because of elevation and like all yeah. that stuff. You can only get so much. Um, so yeah. I think, I think it'd be so cool. So cool. And then it'd the other be, part of it like is crown, the- crowdfunded herping. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the other part of it is, is like with the more people that are doing more naturalistic type of enclosures, this will give them inspiration to sort of like really nail down those, what they're seeing as far as, you know, where that species is and what it's doing to try to, you know, if you're, if you're keeping, keeping one of those reptiles, um, you know, uh, that you can sort of see some of those, um, habits, um, and behaviors that maybe will be unlocked, if you yeah. have certain stimulation to sort of get it going, you know, mm-hmm. agreed hundred percent. We got to go to Australia mm-hmm. zoo and find the Irwins too. <laughs> I think Eric should spend some of Just that track them later <laughs> <laughs> on an export permit <laughs> or an import permit, Craig. Cause, uh, <laughs> I would, uh, quite enjoy getting some of your IJs for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, like go that. go to Australia Zoo and tackle Robert Irwin. <laughs> We're your biggest man. <laughs> we love We're your the... continent. We love your country. Your yeah. dad was a hero. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Exactly. They'll love that. There's no what? security. Why are you yelling at me? I don't know. <laughs> I'm American. I'm just... We yell. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, pop one too. You know. Um, hundred percent. I would, uh, I would love to, uh, to get there. And, uh, when we were in Queensland, man, it was, you, I saw it up on the thing. It was like, it was right there, you know, Rocky. <laughs> and I was like, mm, man, that would yeah. be badass to go there. You know, I, I think it'd be good. It would be really cool to go out there with, uh, with Dan Maliri or Ari or somebody who's already yeah. been out there and mm-hmm. is kind of seasoned out in that area. That'd be yeah. really yeah. cool. To I'd be a, a bit gun shy if it wasn't with somebody that was a little yeah. seasoned, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I would. Yeah. I'm definitely with, uh, you know, me and Keith talk about it all the time, you know, like we would stick out like sore thumbs and probably get <laughs> robbed and our kidneys stolen. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know that's why you I have to know. sell the kidneys for blackheads first. They can't be stolen. <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good luck. Get it tattooed on here. Kidneys gone. Blackheads purchased. <laughs> yeah, you know even the you know that so uh, carpets and coffee and our carpets cliff notes. Uh, I get them so confused anymore. So many, but the next episode <laughs> is on the Nova Guinea carpets, and like I would love to sort of. I'm sure that Nick and Justin are sort of working on genetics and what it actually is and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, I would love to be able to possibly see them in the wild and sort of like, you know what I mean? The, the, yeah. There's so many of these like little carpet mysteries that are there that, uh, you know, I would love to sort of uh, maybe delve into it in, in from the wild uh, point yeah. of view, you yeah. know, rather than the captive point of view. Boots on the ground in the field. There's, there's no better way. Yeah. Dude, can you imagine like going to Papua and just living out of your backpack for like two weeks and just <laughs> setting up camp somewhere with like your local buddy who's coordinating it all or damn Larry, you know, and just like, what, what are you doing today? I don't know. I'm going to go catch lunch and take a nap <laughs> and then, you know, See, go herping at night. To me, that's like the the ultimate vacation, right? Yeah. Because 
Like there's some kind of like I I the, I don't know if it's like getting older or what it is, but like there's this like there's this little thing that's in the back of my brain that like when I'm in nature, it sort of like calms something in me. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I don't I don't know what that is, but like I would love to just be out in the in the bush, if you will, just you know, in a tent or a sleeping bag and you know, living off the land and you know, yeah. uh, escaping man, the five G rays. <laughs> yeah. Get off the grid. <laughs> yeah. Man, well, when I was uh, when I was a kid, um, my mom took us to Costa Rica on two separate occasions. Um, one when I was eight and the other when I was like ten. And uh there's something something about being almost lost but not lost. Like yeah. there there's a structure where you sleep and there's a road that gets there and there's an airport that got you to that road, but otherwise you're on, you're sleeping on this, you know, mattress in this little, you know, building on the side of a mountain with no windows, but just open holes in the wall. And you just sleep in a mosquito net and you go walk out and there's the beach right there. There's, you know, squirrel monkeys and spider monkeys. And there's like this dude, I, I distinctly remember walking barefoot in this like two inches of sand and, and mangrove water in this like rainforest in Costa Rica while these howler monkeys yelled at me and threw shit at me and <laughs> followed me. And I just walked around looking for iguanas and toads and sloths and whatever I could find. And just, you know, as a kid, just like, oh, I'm just going to go get lost in the jungle for a minute. And it was the, right. like, I, awesome. I vividly remember that more than most of my childhood experiences that I've forgotten over the years because it's just it had such yeah. a profound effect on me. Like what seeing iguanas trip. in the wild in Costa Rica, seeing toads, massive yeah. toads, seeing, you know, all the little crabs and the birds and seeing a sloth outside my, you know, the little hostel we stayed at. And Dude. <laughs> I didn't know so what a, cool. I didn't know what a cell phone was then. I didn't know what the internet was then. I knew what animals were. Uh, yeah. You know, I was interested in snakes at the time. And it was just, you know, I think when you're young and naive, you don't appreciate it. When you're older, you you see so much more value in that, especially if you've, you know, enveloped yourself in, in animals and, mm-hmm. and you have that appreciation for it. And, you know, now more than ever with the craziness of the world, there's nothing better than being able to go out somewhere, you know, pretty wild and just turn your phone off and just. Re- recharge i'm really I wish... hoping oh go ahead eric no go ahead okay i was just gonna say i really hope the world gets to a place here where uh zach can do his south america trip next year because i would kill to tag along but a paraguay yeah. with him i think it'll happen fun. i, I california is opening everything up next month it's looking like so mm-hmm. i think we're getting there i think international yeah. travel is feasible you know potentially even by the end of this year but yeah. definitely next year hopefully i that would be so cool to get mm-hmm. down there with him and go find falsies <laughs> like oh, that would dude. be unreal getting yeah. the rainforest but yeah i think uh you know i i I think another thing in me and me and Keith sort of talk about this from time to time. It's just like, you know, now that we're getting older, there's a couple things that weigh on me. I wish I would have done this a long time ago, uh, going on these trips and such. And number one is just, you know, hopefully I'm, <laughs> I know this is crazy to say, but hopefully I'm around to keep continuing to do this and able to do this. And my health stays good so that I can do this. And, you know, uh, cause you have to worry about those kind of things, you know, you know, God yeah. forbid, something happens and you, you, you're not able to do it anymore. It's, it's it's sort of depressing to think about. But, um, the other part of it is, is that the environment and the animals, you know, um, 
you know, more and more cane codes and, you know, just, uh, you know, all, all those kind of things that are, you know, the bushfires and, and all those things that, uh, you know, long-term maybe can hurt your chances of seeing certain things in the wild. Uh, at That's least for true. me, it's in Australia, but it's across the world, you know, I mean, you know, Matt, he wants to go to Borneo and, Pretty much that's just been deforested and uh it's uh yeah. well I guess that's good for short tails, right? That you you go to those palm plantations, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> you know? that's the piece that keeps me up at night as a quote young person. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's like uh, you know, you wanna I wish I think I I read some of these older uh books that uh cover Australian herbs and stuff, and you know, they just talk about, you know, it, it being there a couple times and and sort of not seeing reptiles running all over the place you sort of you know and cane toads running everywhere you're sort of i don't know it's yeah i hey, think I mean, uh great barrier reef too that's one mm-hmm. that i always yeah. dreamed mm-hmm. of seeing and it's i very literally dead right might not yeah it's, yeah. it's on its yeah. way mm-hmm. yeah it's beautiful, I, man. I think the first time <laughs> I experience a cane toad in the wild, I'm gonna in Australia, I'm gonna be so conflicted. Yeah, like it's hard. Man. Mentally, I'm gonna want to stomp you. it. The other part of me is we're gonna want to respect it and leave it alone because it's a living thing. Yeah, I, I've told the story before, but we were driving down Tolly Gorge that, down the road, and like you know, literally as the sun was coming down, the toads are coming out, and you know, I'm like, Rob's like, run it over. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't, man. So I'm like dodging out of the way, and he's just like, what are you doing? You know, and, think and of he's the sort of, <laughs> like, Yeah, he's sort of like, you know, I, and I understand where he's coming from, 100. percent You know, it's in the way he explained it to me. He's like, look, man, they're killing the native wildlife, the stuff you love, the stuff that you're so passionate about and right it, yes it's not their fault they were put there by people but it doesn't change yeah. the fact that they're killing you know this the native wildlife and yeah i don't know man it's just like i i i, I don't know it's such a hard hard thing to sort mm-hmm. of just play you know what i mean it's like this yeah. battle mm-hmm. that's in your in your in your personal being it's like no i don't want to kill this animal but at the same time yeah. Uh, it, if that scrub python that I found 10 minutes later, you know, is going to try to eat it and it dies, well, what would I rather have alive? <laughs> yeah. A scrub yeah. python. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you, Eric. I, I, I think, I think yeah. cane toads are beautiful, man. Like, uh, there's something cool about seeing a big, impressive toad like that for sure. Like, yeah. Separate. Yeah. But yeah, they are in their own right a cool herp. It just sucks that that we did what we did and put them in a position to be the uh, antagonist of an entire continent's worth of biodiversity. (laughs) What's weird, though, you know, like it's weird. Like I, 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 I talk to certain people. And like they'll have not not an issue, but like the struggle with like keeping them out of, uh, you know, the environment, you know, but like no problem with Burmese pythons hacking their heads off. Like, it's just like, right. no, yeah, you know, like it's not a big deal. You know, I don't know. Right. It's, 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 it's kind of strange how yeah. it's double standards, man. Us crazy you know. monkeys operate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And nope. Let's not even think about all the outdoor cats. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a whole nother. Well, that's, that's a global problem. I mean, if you think oh, about yeah. how the, if you look at flyaways and how the globes, uh, flyaways and, and 
you know, the migratory patterns of these birds. And then if you just look at the, the mass decrease in millions and millions of birds that aren't migrating and how much that's attributed to feral cats globally. Oh, yeah. So yeah. big problem. I don't it, think it's, it is at all a stretch to say that they're the most destructive invasive species. On second the most, like, second most behind. Oh, people. sure. It's behind people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, no, they are. They, they literally kill millions. And we've seen that the video that crazy uh, backwoods Australia dude who lives out in his shanty with cat pelts everywhere. Dude whacks like fifteen hundred cats a year, just like yeah. he's a little he's badass, doing good things yeah. for that country, even though it's yeah, I it's know, a tough uh, it's a tough thing to talk about, you know, because cats are relatable. I have a cat. We yeah, we have cats, I. you know. Yeah. So it's like oh, I love them inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I it's have just, a a wildlife biologist friend who will not be named, who's like a really well-respected, you know, been in the business for decades. He whacks cats for sure. Like yeah. <laughs> anybody that loves, you know, the, the actual native biodiversity of their areas, like yeah. the cats are your enemy <laughs> when yeah. they're running loose outdoors, feral, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but anyway. Hey, yeah. And like with, with Australia for me, the more and more that I'm, that I, the di the deeper and deeper I dive into just Australia in general, it's like, you know, I, 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 I've, I've been like really into like the Aboriginal stories. Uh, so I got like tons of books on like just learning the different uh, Aboriginal stories and like how much they really understood about the environment and how in tune they were with the animals in that environment. Just, just amazes me. You know, I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by that. Um, and then just, the whole environment in general, like how it plays off of each other and birds and, 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 and mammals and, you know, reptiles and, you know, how the whole thing just works. And, you know, I, I don't know, it just, it just amazes me, you know? So, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a delicate, it's a delicate web and everything yeah. pushes and pulls on one another. When you remove pieces, yeah. stuff falls apart and starts getting crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, the biggest tragedy was when people decided they weren't part of that web anymore and that they mm -hmm. were, yeah. In yeah. control of it rather than a piece of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to uh I was listening to the Snake Talk podcast that's hosted by the uh the director or president of uh the Orian Society that does all the uh um, oh yeah, yeah indigo yeah, yeah. conservation. And they had sure. a gentleman on uh talking about giant tortoises. And just uh -huh. think about you know, back in the 17, 1800s when people were going on long voyages at sea, they just grabbed you know, all these big tortoises off the Seychelles islands, you know, had had them hanging out on the ship until they needed to eat them. And, you know, they've depleted over 50 percent of the island's populations of these these uh, Galapagos and some of the other species. And imagine if that were snakes or, yeah. or just and just the human devastation we do and just alter things. It's just wacky. Yeah, it's 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 so I, I guess. My, my whole my whole point of my soapbox with this is that you know if you're younger and you have the ability to do it you know um take advantage of it before maybe it's it's gone yeah. or it's not the yeah. same as it was you know um because yeah. uh the world's a big place and there's lots of shit to see man and yeah you know it's 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 life-changing to go somewhere else and and see how other people live and how the environment works and it it, it really I don't know, in a way it kind of, it kind of humbles you, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you sort of like living in your own little box. And then when you step outside of it, you're just like, wow, yeah, this yeah. is, uh, this you get is more empathy cool. for the other. 
hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's more perspective. I, I just did the, uh, I don't know when it's going to air, but, uh, I did the animals at home podcast and that was sort of the topic of, um, how seeing herps that you have in captivity in the wild sort of changes your thought process and, in, in keeping them in captivity. Um, and it, hundred percent does, man, you know, so whatever that herp, whether it's a North American herp, Australian herp, European, whatever it is, you know, you, if you have the opportunity, you should take advantage of it and go see that animal in the wild. It will, it will really give you some huge insight into, uh, yeah. which again goes back to why we sort of want to do these documentary style, you, you know, videos of, yeah. uh, of these mm-hmm. herps, you know, mm-hmm. so, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's like one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is once once things lighten up and open up and the hysteria around COVID, you know, we kind of have a better understanding of how to operate safely. Like domestic travel is opening up. Like right now I can go to Vegas for $63 round trip, which is ridiculous. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um, yeah, just even being able to, to hop on a plane and, and go out uh, in the Pine Barrens, like that, I really want to do that. I really want to come out, fly out there, and go herping out there with you guys and see timbers in the wild. Well, that might, uh, I might have some dates for you guys that you might have to check out. And you might have to see if that's the first one we can kind of do. It's in July sometime, but um, okay. Yeah. I'll, the, uh, uh, the Texas, Texas business? Well, no. there's the Texas one, and then the there's the Pine one Barrens. that's yeah. The Pine Barrens was the oh, um, okay, okay, yeah, coming out this way, um, taking you up in Pence, PA to see some uh, timbers, and uh, I can For take sure. you down to Delaware see some uh, copperheads, and uh, then going out to the Pine Barrens and hopefully finding uh, some pine snakes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. that would be <laughs> so cool. Let's make Nipper jealous. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man, he would lose his shit. Yes, he would. <laughs> oh awesome. mate you're killing me mate <laughs> uh, yeah i just i realize you know we always talk about the grass being greener on the other side and as much as i would love to go see australia i do feel like you know it's almost like a like a, a duty to see something yes. in your own native you know and appreciate it like I've gone herping out here and I've seen rattlesnakes and king snakes and gopher snakes and this and that, but I haven't seen everything. And I would love to, you know, go back to Utah for more of a herping adventure. I would love to go to Arizona for herping and, and Florida for herping and not just work and go, you know, up to the Northeast and, and the, you know, there's so much to see. Like I would love to go see the Narcissus snake dens where all the garter snakes ball up in uh, what's yeah. that Minnesota or whatever. I would yeah. love to see that. Like, oh, just there's so much to see here in the United States before you even like look at, yeah, man. you know, Australia and everywhere else. But yeah, no doubt. hundred percent. You know, um, well, when we were, so we finished up uh, recording the, uh, the, the first episode of the field heart podcast. And I got to uh, talk to Scott Iper uh, mm-hmm. about, um, about some of the unfortunate mishaps that he's had in the uh, again, why we picked this for the first episode, I don't know, but you know, it is what it is. But um, you know, one of the things that Aww. he was talking about when we were having the conversation was just the idea of uh, Snake Road, right? He's like, yeah. you guys in the states have this road where they close down traffic and they don't let anything, and these mm-hmm. snakes migrate from this from the mountains to the forest. And then when, you know, the time of year when it's the fall, they go back and they migrate back and you're just seeing all these species. That would be so cool. 
You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like when you think about it that way, you're sort of like, huh. And that's like what? I don't know. It's probably like 10 hours, 12 hours away from me or something yeah, like I've that. Yeah, I've seen like, people post YouTube videos of that, yeah. and it's it's amazing how much they find out there. Uh, I just – you know, the more videos I watch of uh, NKF herping, that really, you know, fuels that fire. But, dude, yeah. yeah it's just – it's it would – to me, it would seem – exotic because it's not in my backyard here like sure. i would still have to get on a plane and take myself out of the normal and go to the other yeah and yeah. and that would seem exotic in it's in its own right um I, yeah i would love to absolutely love to see all of our native rattlesnakes we're just that's i think we're so spoiled to have crotalus and and sisturus yeah, and and all of that in this in this continent we're just mm-hmm. very blessed so mm-hmm. they're and amazing we have, snakes we have such a variety of yeah. species you know all I the mean, rat snakes all the, dude we have we have snakes the, we have freaking boas we have yeah. boas we have we have colubrids yeah, we have we have aquatics we have terrestrial we have mountainous we i mean yeah. shit dude there's even calabar burrowing pythons the mexican like we have pythons boas and colubrids all in one continent yeah. not many boas and not many pythons but they're there yeah man sure it's, it's 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 kind of crazy when you think about it like yeah. uh you know it it you know herping in the US obviously has has sort of been the go to because of not being able to go to Australia but um it really I've said this multiple times but it really does it's not that I and it, it's weird with 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 you, with native herps I I've sort of like I I tick my uh, the bug, if you will, or that 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 drive to sort of want to work with these different species and such, and and sort of like filter it into finding them in the wild and appreciating them in the wild, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like not having to have everything, you know, yeah. even though our brains are sort of work, you know, operate that way, but realizing that you know you can go into the wild and appreciate something that you're, you know, that you have in your native habitat and. You know, like for me, like DK snakes, right? Yeah. It's just the when I was a kid, man, that was like you would find a DK snake and you would be like, oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> um, but you know, today I'm like, I got boards all out in my backyard so that I'm hoping that I just find one of these things just because I have a whole new appreciation for it, you know? Yeah. 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 Every time I, I think, I should get king snakes. I stop myself and I'm like, no, I could drive 10 minutes up the road and go flip logs and find king snakes. I don't need yeah. them in my room. It's okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. The but constant it, struggle. Yeah. Yeah, man. But then, you know, some of these collude, you know, I like mountain king snakes, man. To me, that's just like, holy shit, man. Oh, like, yeah. you know, yeah. come on. The colors, they're, it's incredible. I want to find like, a, wow. an indigo in the wild. That would be yeah. <laughs> nuts. That would just be freaking impressive, man. Yeah. Just a Such, big just diurnal apex hunter. <laughs> exactly. That's an apex yeah. predator that still lives in the United States. Yeah. I mean, it's on the same level of importance and rarity in an ecosystem as a freaking lion. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, that's sure. what those animals represent is like the top tier predator within their niche. And it's just amazing how we completely screwed all that up in this country. <laughs> and so much <laughs> yeah. and we have to spend billions of dollars to try and, you know, keep it alive. It's just yeah, it's not. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, the one uh, the one thing uh, Keith in our our chat with Keith this morning, he was sort of talking about how colubrids are such savage feeders, man, compared to like pipe the to, to boids. You know, it's like, yeah. and um, 
I, I think about the stories of you and Owen talking about these Karibos just like, you know, like savagely eating uh-huh. stuff, you know what uh-huh. I mean? And like yeah. in the wild, they're eating things that are still alive and sort of bash it against something and just swallow it down. And it's kind of crazy how they, how they different they are. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. amazing yeah. to watch. Yeah. I think I went, that's part of why I can't keep only one species because everything yeah, has man. something unique like that. What yeah, did Zach yeah. keep saying in that episode? Like 2,600 species. They all eat yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There, there uh, you go. You know, the dipsatted colubrids are going to be different from, you know, everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Watching a bull snake crush a rat and then slap you in the face with his tail as he runs away from you is just <laughs> profound. It's very yeah. profound. Yeah, that that episode with Zach, man, that that, that was, was a just, great listen. Oh, I dude, man. am going to listen to it so many times because there's too much. <laughs> there's too much good. There's stuff. so much information in that, man. You know what, what I was what, what I was really guy. curious about in that one that you guys sort of touched on was um, again with how the digestive system works and how you know you got to let it reset and come back down before doing that again, but at different stages of life you know, neonatal, juvenile, adult, geriatric, you know, how it can vary. I was, I was hoping he would maybe, uh, if he knew elaborate further on like, it's okay to feed at a more frequent rate when they're in this growing juvenile stage, and then maybe elaborate on the winter seasonality with them and how it affects them versus some of the older snakes that need more time to, to reset and less food and at just at different stages because we we always talk about cycle feeding and and feeding sparingly um and and i just always i'm always curious once somebody has that in depth of a knowledge of the the biology of digestion what we should be doing at these different stages is it okay to be feeding weekly or is that still too much or is two weeks enough or you know obviously species dependent but right um yeah, I would say, and I, yeah. I would say too, like how you keep dependent as well, right? In mm-hmm. terms of just like exercise level and mm-hmm. and how that will impact the metabolism. Like, there's mm-hmm. so many f- variables. I feel like it must be difficult for people with that knowledge set to prescribe like a set right thing, right? Right. Um, because like, I, you know, it's probably completely dependent on that one-on-one basis. But yeah, yeah. no, it, it's such an interesting. What what did you get out of that portion of it most, Eric? Like, what was your takeaway on, like, did you, did that change your perspective on how you you plan to feed your collection moving forward? I know you've already sort of had this policy of you know less frequently bigger I, meals, seasonal variation. You know the one the one aspect of of this, and this has sort of got my has me thinking ever since we went to Texas with Justin. You know, and and we were having a conversation about cycle feeding and and all this and how it sort of you know ties into the adult version of what we're working with you know um but um really trying to figure out should that apply to the to the babies and the juveniles that are coming up and um you know one of the things that he hit on that sort of stuck out in my head you know was um the fact that when they're that size they're sort of applying all those calories to growth you know Um, so are they eating more frequently? Are they, are they, are they able to, uh, you know, because they're eating say skinks and, and things like this, that, um, the prey availability might be 
more abundant or, you know, you know, I don't know. It, it just sort of, again, sort of like your brain goes in all these different directions when you're sort of thinking, but I don't know. That's sort of my thought. It's like, just, is it right to sort of cycle feed the, the babies and the offspring and all those mm -hmm. kind of things? And, mm -hmm. um, uh, does it hurt or help? You know, um, mm -hmm. I think the other thing that I sort of was like, uh, was, was kind of interested in is, and we sort of hit on this, uh, but I sort of had to go back and listen to it again to sort of like take in what he was saying. Cause you know, when you're doing the podcast is different right. than when you're listening to the podcast, but, um, just the idea of, uh, you know, we see these, uh, speaking Morelia, well, sort of Morelia, but, uh, you know, carpets and scrubs and stuff where they're taking down these huge meals is, is this, this is a part of like, are they, are they, is, are they designed to do this specifically and this is how they should eat? Um, or is it just a matter of this is uh, the opportunity that came along and they took it and they are able to take down these bigger meals, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, well, that, that part was, was interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, there certainly is going to be an abundance of the little stuff, right? Like, mm -hmm. like you said on the show, when you were in Australia, you saw little skinks and lizards and geckos everywhere. Right. So maybe yeah. that, that level of abundance does lend itself to younger animals eating more often until they outgrow that prey. Right. Maybe they are eating more yeah. closely to like an every week or two because mm -hmm. because they yeah. can and then yeah. you know maybe for those bigger animals like I, I would think that there's an abundance of the little stuff in terms of prey probably yep. not as much in the middle right and then all the stuff that made it to adulthood being big in terms of prey items right like sure there's probably the least amount i would assume in terms of of biomass is the stuff the prey in the middle there's probably right. a lot of small and then there's a lot of big because they made it. Right. 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 So from that perspective, maybe it, it really does make sense that they would be forced to take the big stuff just because you're going to run into those more often than, say, you know, a, a juvenile of wallaby or whatever we're talking about here. You know, right. And I think sort of our impression of of baby snakes and how to take again, talking Python specifically, because. As he said, there's what 27. Ton, yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> but uh, Python specifically, right? That um, so a couple things like way back in the, when we had Sean Christian on the show, one of the things that uh, stood out from that conversation was the fact that he said, you know, he just brought up in conversation. He says, "Isn't it interesting that like when you give your uh, carpet a meal that's just a little bit bigger?" Like it's almost like, ooh, that was a tough meal to take down, but they instantly grow from that. You know, it's like instantly, it's just like size is put on. And um, sometimes if you're not pushing them like that, that they're they're not gonna grow or whatever. But then I think about our our hobby and how we're sort of focused on the breeding part of it. So are we doing that to get that animal to a size at a certain age so that it can breed and turn around? So your investment and, you know, you know, all those kind of mindsets is that, mm -hmm. uh, playing a part in, in, in that thinking, you know, um, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely interesting for sure. And yeah, to me, that's what I, I, I geek out more about uh, trying to figure that out, but nobody's done a study on baby carpet pythons in the wild, you know? Right. Um, right. So nobody knows, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Cause, cause like we've talked about, how would you, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, 
you can't you can't just track you know follow them around all day that sure that won't yeah. work so <laughs> I mean, it's hard yeah. enough doing that for adult snakes yeah yeah without yeah. being present enough to alter their behavior because right. you're chasing them around <laughs> you right know? yeah 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 and it's uh yeah the i mean the only the only information that I have on that is when we were chatting with Gavin Bedford and he was saying about how the big adult carpets, Darwin carpets are up in the tree, like high up in the canopy. And then the, uh, the babies are more in, in line in the bush area, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, they're down low. So they're definitely feeding on those geckos and right. you know, skinks yeah. and frogs and whatever else is, uh, hops in front of them, I guess, or runs in front of them. Sure. And I wonder too, uh, there was that paper, I think I mentioned it last week about monitors in, in Australia as ecosystem engineers. And there was, there was one figure, there was one, uh, data that they put out there that in like one single, uh, monitor burrow, they, they found over 700 individual species, uh, animals from like 60 different species or something like that. Wow. It was like an astonishing number. Um, wow. There are certain species that will nest in those burrows, you know, in, uh-huh. in terms of pythons. So I wonder if those baby pythons just pick off everything that's living in the monitor burrow, you know, <laughs> like yeah. sure. they yeah. might not even have to come above ground for a period of time, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, so just a thought there. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, man. I, I mean, there's so much more to learn. <laughs> yeah. I, I think about this sort of stuff and how it relates to the longevity of our animals and whether what the, you know, the prescribed method and rate of feeding is healthy or not, you know, and, and how that varies for individual and species and age. Now, you know, yeah. I, I'm always worried about overfeeding snakes. I've definitely changed the way I feed snakes now versus how I fed them six years ago, seven years ago. Sure. And so I listened to that part and I was just trying to sequester as much as possible to sort of dictate for me, whether or not I felt what I was doing was right. And, you know, basically what I got out of it was, you know, feed less, feed bigger meals, but babies, you could still feed a little bit more frequently, but, you know, slow and low, probably spreading it out a little bit more, but doing a big meal seems to be a little more natural for them. Um, you know, and obviously you guys talked about it. Baby carpets can take a freaking hopper mouse, um, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is a big meal. And, and instead of, you know, them eating skinks frequently, if we're giving them a hopper mouse, we probably should even spread it out for them. You know, one thing I've adopted is I, I notice how long it takes for snakes at different stages based on what they're eating to have a bowel movement, mm-hmm, how yeah. many meals they have in between shed cycles. And you can kind of, you can kind of tell, like when you're overdoing it and, and when you could actually maybe feed more and, and I've just adopted like the only snakes that get fed weekly are colubrids and that's it period. Like not even baby pythons, like same, just two weeks is the most frequently I want to even feed, um, you know, a hatchling, a hatchling carpet, even if it isn't like a big meal, like, you know, we talk about how those small, like, fuzzies and hoppers don't have a lot of substance to them and there's a lot of water weight and roughage and things that crap out. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, after listening to Dr. Loafman talk about the, just the amount of stress and, and everything, even a meal puts on them. I just, yeah. I don't know. No, I feel 100%. like I'm, a week I'm doing, is too much. 
Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Like the falsies are the only thing that I'll feed at that frequency. Mm-hmm. And like that, even just that episode, even more so made me want to only feed my blackheads like <laughs> 90% quail and then maybe yeah. like some mice, maybe a rat once a year or something. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah. Um, Ryan had said, uh, so do you think we should have a taller, more vertical cage for species like Harrisona, Harrisoni and Varigata with adults living such a boreal lifestyle? I can't really speak to the uh, Harrisoni uh, uh, side of it, but uh, with Varigata, Darwin carpets, 100%, man, 100%. My adults are going to have taller cages rather than anything else because – uh, you know, talking to Gavin, seeing them in the wild, they're a hundred percent staying in the trees. You know, I, I, I would venture to say that a lot of carpets, uh, benefit from that, uh, from trees, because, you know, you think about their environment, the more and more I look at their environment, where they're from, where they're being found, where they're, where they're hanging out. And basically it's always around trees. You know, mm-hmm. they're in this, they're a forest type of, uh snake you know um they're living in these forests they're staying by these water courses and you know they're they're taking advantage of the prey items that are coming to sort of uh you know you know uh, hang out when they're found in houses they're found in you know sheds up in the roof you know Mm -hmm. so to me Mm -hmm. it's always like they're sort of uh sort of trying to stay up you know yeah I would love to to have everything in like Python peat style cages where you've got a, a bedding trough on the bottom for a good floor plan, but it's vertical with yeah. a basking spot, some shelves, some perches, a, a ground hide, water, but like more vertical space. I think that would that would be pretty cool. I think as time goes on, like yeah, we acknowledge carpets can breed in racks and and they don't necessarily need to climb, but when you see how some of these move like Darwin's in particular, the way they move their ventral, their ventral scales are much narrower and the, their body section, they, they just seem to really like physically look like they're looking for some sort of perch to drape on or hang on as they're moving. So, um, you know, who knows, maybe that's why I, I'm not getting any luck breeding Darwin's is because I'm not giving them arboreal stuff. I mean, who knows? You know, and and that was funny when they first came into the states. I remember talking with Balin. I remember talking to a few people that sort of had the albino stuff and whatnot, and said that they had a hard time breeding them. And um, you know, talking to Australians, they were saying like they don't understand why we're having such a hard time breeding them. So I don't know if at the time, um, you know, me, you know, our keeping was different than uh, you know, say. Uh, uh, what Australia was doing, maybe they were keeping more naturalistic type of enclosures, which means that maybe they were afforded that uh, that that ability to uh, to 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 perch high up. Maybe it makes them feel secure. Maybe it helps with stress. Um, you know, I don't know. I, but I notice more than I, it's it's odd, right? When and this was another thing I talked about on the Animals at Home podcast was the fact that I think. In the early days for me, when it was like learning how to keep carpets and stuff, the idea was is that the first idea that I saw was the shelf, right? And I think that, you know, a lot of people would go back and forth. Some said that they didn't use the shelf. Some said that they did use the shelf. It was kind of like this, you know, well, we're just going to offer it to them and maybe they'll use it. Maybe they won't. Uh, and then the other version of trying to make – 
their enclosures uh, more arboreal would be like chondro style perches. But I think, and I, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I think that they're more of a tree boa type of, of snake where they're sort of like many points, you know, they need yeah. a bunch of uh, points that their coils are laid on. They're not going chondro style where they're just perching like this. Right. More of a um, drape. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. So, you know, yeah, I want to go with Dave Kendrick and uh, try to find Sasquatch for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Maybe um, you can get some pictures that are as good as the bring them uh, back the for Alistine pictures or, or Patamelon pictures or whatever. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, so but uh, oh, what's Craig say about IJs? Let's see. I provide all of my IJs the opportunity to climb and they spend 90% of their time perched. Yeah. I would imagine it would be the same, which is maybe why they're always in the water bowls, you know, maybe because we're not offering them the perches that they're looking for. They're sort of, I, I don't know. I always kind of felt that like after talking to people about it, they keep them. The reason that they're doing that is maybe it's their form of a hide box or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's how they feel like I'm um, just sort of waiting here. Nobody can see me in the water type of deal. So, you yeah. Know. Yeah, I'm kind of of the opinion that if you if you have the ability to offer it, you should. And and pretty much anything that we keep will take advantage of that kind of space in these, in yeah. these boxes. Like Francis uh, uh, Pringle, what's it called? The other buddy or whatever. Uh, yeah. He posted his new cage and his blackheads were on the shelf, right? And he was like, they're always on the shelf. And you know that that just makes sense. You give them the opportunity. It's not like it's 20 feet in the air, you know, you're just extending right. their floor space. Any exercise is good exercise. And, you know, sure. I know too, when my, when my female blackhead was smaller, she would chondro perch on the wire from the radiant heat panel. Like they, the, if they can, they will. And I think it's only a good thing. So yeah. with the, the six foot cages that I'm waiting on, I got shelves. Um, and I, I fully expect the big brittles pythons to, to utilize them. Um, but you know, why not? If you can, why not? Yeah, man. Yeah. So my citrus tiger isn't currently trying to use the light as a shelf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds not, about right. Not happy. Not happy. <laughs> How's that, that Velcro holding right. up? <laughs> it's not. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. That's great. So, uh, yeah. I wanted I wanted to circle back to this one. Uh, Johnny had put uh, if you could observe any natural any species naturally in the wild, what would it be? His was the blue banded sea crate or rough scales. I'm I'm thinking I'm cooking on that. Yeah, yeah. it's a hard one, right? It's 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 toss up for me between like a bread lie, Bradley. Damn it. Bradley in the in the <laughs> wild um or or a woma just because of the rarity of of finding womas <laughs> and maybe one of those eastern womas in a tree with a beardy hanging out of its mouth how about that yeah That'd man. Be pretty cool <laughs> yeah i would love to see them digging and yeah man that would be yeah. uh really cool there is certainly a sand substrate woman enclosure in my future like i don't yeah. i don't have it together yet but i'm definitely going to do that <laughs> yeah yeah i've been sort of starting to sort of uh uh-oh riley's getting snakes i think he's, he's trying to save his lights maybe oh sorry had uh, to address that uh, okay She's unplugging lights pissing me off She's supposed to be in the nest box being gravid and 
working on that. And here she is gallivanting around like a hooligan. Son of a bitch. she thinks she is? A snake or something? a lot of nerve. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Chris had also said that, uh, real quick, he said that uh, he sets up his uh, cages 36, three feet by what, uh, 18 by 15 for his yearling sub-adults and uh, his variety of ledges and tubes and and all that stuff. And basically, uh, he rarely sees them on the ground. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think when you give them stuff, they use it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to have, you know, I think we've talked about it before, you know, have a system or a, a room or facility set up where, you know, newborn babies, they go through the process of going in a six-quart tub, then going into a, you know, a sub-adult enclosure with shelf hide kind of glass front deal. And then there's adult cages and that way only babies are brought up in racks. Um, theoretically, I just, right. I would love to see them more now that I have these with lights, it's just so much nicer. And then yeah, yeah. change, change how I keep over the years and try and you know, give them more options. Agree. Yeah. I'm working towards that goal. One cage at a time, you know, yeah. it's like just, baby steps <laughs> and and that's sort of the thing like i guess like uh you know for us that are sort of have been in the hobby as opposed to sort of this you know as we move away from this sort of sterile type of uh environment that we're providing if you will um but like it, you know number one it doesn't necessarily have to be you know, it doesn't have to look like the outback of Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can sort of get the same, uh, give the snake the same things without necessarily, you know, having to go that route. But, you know, I, I it to, to, to try to change it, just like, you know, change all your snakes at one snap of the finger is like, not, it's very, not realistic, very difficult and very right. expensive, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you got to go buy replacement enclosures in order to get rid of the ones that you're trying to phase out. And that's yeah. expensive. And then you and have to you, do the logistics of the space, Tetris and everything. Sure. Yeah, man. And, and if you're going to do it that route, you want to make sure that you're doing it a hundred percent so that like, this is its enclosure for the rest of its life, you know, type of deal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, it takes money and time and all that, but uh, slowly but surely, uh, you know, switching over to that uh, way is sort of. Uh, hopefully, I have my own little piece of the outback here in my house in Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's sort exactly. of the goal. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that would be it. Would be ideal to be able to keep everything in the perfect scenario. I think it's just like mental push and pull of like finding that balance because I want to keep all of these things, but do it right by what I have. And then landing somewhere in the middle and then always adapting Yeah. Um, for, I think we're just very, we're also very fortunate that our animals are flexible with how we, you know, care for them given the species dynamic ability to just adapt. So for sure. um, Yeah. Yeah. Morelia are the superior snake. Sorry. (laughs) Just in general, if it starts with Morelia, it's better than yeah. everything else. You're, no you're offense good, to right? uh, no offense to the others because we keep a lot of others. But yeah. um, yeah, there's a reason why carpets are, you know, oh, arboreal, semi-arboreal, terrestrial, caves, up in trees, flat cages, tall cages, whatever. They're just like cool. We're good. Warm. Yeah, and then that, that's <laughs> that's why it makes it so hard to sort of figure out what did they really. What do they really need? What do they really right. want? You know, because you know they can just adapt and they're just cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. okay, no right. place Chillers. to go up, 
I'll stay right here on the ground. That's <laughs> fine. And don't worry about me. You know, <laughs> yeah. Nowhere and to they, hide. I'll just go underneath the paper. Yeah. They, and that's the thing, you know, you like know? they don't have predators. They don't yeah. have to go, you know, hunt for food. It comes to right. them. So it's like, no wonder they're just like kind of rolling with the punches because they don't have to do all that other stuff. And that's another thing that I took from my conversation with Dr. Zach, right? You know, like remembering that, you know, when we're keeping these animals in captivity, they're not necessarily, you know, using the same amount of calories because they are not running away from predators. They are not, you know, constantly trying to find a place to stay warm. And they're not, you know, all these things that we sort of, you know, it's sort of like a human being, right? If you put us in the wild, right, we're going to want to eat fat. <laughs> we're going to want to eat sugar. We're going yeah. to want to eat these things for energy, for, you know, uh, and it's not necessarily going to equate to bad health, if you will. You know, I mean, you're right. obviously you're not getting cheeseburgers in the wild, but <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? You, like, you crave that stuff because yes, caveman version you need of those you calories needed to yeah. capitalize on every, yeah. on every hunter gather. Exactly. hundred percent, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's weird how our bodies are sort of made to like, okay, if we're how we eat sort of like, you know, your metabolism changes based on that. And like, you'll either store food, you know, store uh, calories or you'll right. burn them, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy, but yeah. 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 And, and like he said, those stress hormones, that corticosterone, like that's very taxing, you know, that, that does directly affect body condition um, and how sure. many calories you're burning. You know, so yeah. 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 You know, lazy, comfortable snakes <laughs> like, <laughs> with nothing to fear. It's a different story than what, what's out there for sure. We've made the Australian snakes. Americans, <laughs> yeah, damn it! <laughs> this one just petitioned. It said, "Yeah, try to t- try to take my hide. I dare yeah. you. Come take it <laughs> over my bloody hand, dead hand yeah. body." You know? Oh my goodness! Uh oh! I need better ways to can. mount these goddamn lights. This <laughs> fucking crazy glue. I don't know. Oh, tried it. Doesn't hold. Really? Trying yeah. Velcro. I'm trying tape. This is not working. They don't screw. No. 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 These don't zip have ties? any. I don't have anything to zip tie it to. Oh yeah. Uh, drill, mm. drill some holes in the top and zip it. No. I got cages on top. Right. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Just gonna need to talk some sense into this girl. Tell her to go focus on laying her freaking eggs instead of climbing on the goddamn lights. Goodness. <laughs> That must be an E.B. Moralia snake. You can't get the shit together. <laughs> it is. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, speaking no, it, of what, eggs. It's her, telling, uh, it's her telling me she wants a freaking perch. Oh, yeah. 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 As we say, sit here uh, and talk about perches. Yeah. Or it's just because, you know what it is? It's because they're warm. They put out some warmth. So I think she's checking them out and going yeah. up there. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll just move her her uh, her nest box over onto the heat a little more, and then she'll be comfortable. Yeah, she hasn't been moving that nest box like uh like some of my other snakes have in the past. She just like took it where I left and was like, okay, I go here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say only two more days of bread lie cooling. Breadly, damn it, breadly cooling. <laughs> uh, so that's points exciting. there. Yeah, yeah. Only a couple more days of moving them into the bathroom, and then. Yeah. Yep. Get to uh, start a, feeding and pairing. Just a couple weeks off from 
Cool, man. The promised land. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be nice. Hey, Justin. Justin, Justin hey, called us Justin? Uh, gentlemen loosely, and that's probably because I'm over here screwing this thing up. So. Yeah. <laughs> he's but, not uh, wrong. <laughs> no. No, he's not. Yeah, he's not wrong. We're, yeah. we're winging it, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Bradley will be interesting. I keep forgetting that I still have to work on that pairing. I, it, the season isn't over as far as pairing goes because I'm pretty much done pairing stuff. Everything's kind of kind of done or or not going at all sort of thing at this point. But then I forget my spring breeders. This will be my first year <laughs> doing that. So, Yeah, this yeah. is a weird season for me, man, because I'm doing diamond pythons. So, yeah. like, tomorrow uh, I'm going to feed them for the first time. And then introduce them um, this weekend and and see what's what. So awesome! Uh, fingers That's crossed. Exciting. That's some, really uh, exciting. Some cool diamonds. Uh, Heck yeah! Fingers so. crossed. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Get some video yeah. if they do any cool courtship stuff. Hell yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, like when I do the first time breeding, I'm all you know, like, I, I, and I'm I'm kind of nervous about it, man. I know it's weird, but like I'm just kind of like in my head about it, you know, whereas like I've bred carpets for so many years now, it's sort of like just, nah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But with this, it's kind of like something new, you know? So yeah. Something new, something different. Said 20, 20 Biologists uh, say baby carpet Python. That is a good hunter. will probably only get a skink. Every- oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Most 15 to 50 days. Less often than that. In the yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, these things are built for for famine, feast, bust, boom. They just roll with it, man. They're they're the best. Yeah. Until they climb on lights and threaten to break <laughs> things and <laughs> unplug cables and, and it's just it. bullshit. Yeah. Then you're just like Barg! <laughs> if I yeah, wanted man. if I wanted kids running around and screwing up my shit, I would have had kids. Right. That's right. So but uh so uh this Thursday, uh, I'll mention this. We're going to have a live stream of NPR. We're talking to uh, Mike from Mike's Monitors, and obviously, we're going to get into the going to do it live. It still will be on podcast form and all, but this Thursday will be live. So, if you're interested in, uh, you know, have some questions about monitors, or you know, he he deals with uh, a lot of Australian monitors and such, but. Uh, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, should be cool, you know. He awesome. has some some really cool setups. Like his, his. I think I have a picture of it somewhere. But uh, hold on, I'll try to share it real quick. Um, I guess as we're getting ready to close out, I think I sent it to Nipper. Let me see. Yeah, because I was asking him about. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> Great. Okay. Share. Do do. Yeah, man. Ooh. Wow, look at that. That's cool. Very yeah. nice. Those are sweet. Are those gonna, the uh, Are those the Kimberleys? Yeah, yeah. They remind me so much of birds, man. They they're just they're they're long. You know, it's just they're like birds. It's, hmm. it's so. Yeah. That's a sweet build right there. That enclosure looks awesome. See, see what I was talking about? Where that's exactly what you, you know when Doctor Lofman was saying that about the baby carpets. That's the conversation that me and Justin had, and he sort of made me 
take a step back and say, huh, yeah, uh, I guess we don't know. We were sort of talking about that earlier, Justin, about uh, how when we were in Texas, we had that conversation. You're like, well, baby carpets really aren't studied in the wild. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, fair point. <laughs> I will just shut up now and let the uh, smart people talk. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but yeah. uh, that one we might not know yet. It's probably speculative, huh? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know, you know. So, I don't know. Dude. He's back. She's oh, look, back I see the, the snake. Is the snake uh, on top of the light? <laughs> no more lights. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> Riley, can you move your camera? Can you get us closer? What's <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, right on cue. Uh, yeah she's literally just like every day i'm just gonna not work on eggs i'm gonna unplug your shit <laughs> this bitch yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to deal with that later that's that she's like two hands you can't oh tell me where to perch <laughs> what's that thing the cat people say if i sits i fits God damn it. <laughs> yeah exactly oh, oh there you go there we go now she's uh, unplugged it all. Look at her. Well, now we the know what your afternoon God has, project is. <laughs> yeah. The maybe, big monkey maybe. God has turned off the sun. How dare he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to fix this real quick if you guys want to start. And then us on out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, so we'll watch uh, Riley fix stuff up, and uh, we will end the show. So, yeah, this uh, this Thursday we're going to be doing, uh, doing the broadcast. It's uh uh, what is it? 7 p.m. Hold on, I'll find out exactly. 7 Eastern. Uh, it is 8 p.m. Eastern time. So excellent. Yeah. So that'll uh, be a great be... episode. I'm excited yeah. to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So if you're into uh, monitors and uh, want to learn more, tune in. Uh, help us uh, ask the good questions and such. And uh, yeah, should be cool. Um, the bald monkey cannot had, run had a to light put bald in my in world. There, huh, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Shots fired. Yeah, you know? there we go. Uh, <sighs> so what else do we got? Uh for um yeah, uh trying to think. There's so many things. I can't so remember it all. All right. So let's let's go with uh Remember to check us out on Patreon. Remember to subscribe to the MPR Network YouTube channel here. Give this video yep. a thumbs up. Uh, much appreciated with that. Yep. Uh, the other shows on the network, Eric, you're you're good at this. Carpet Cliff Notes, <laughs> Colubrid Corner, Student of the Serpent, Carpets and Coffee. Um, we got some Herp History coming up. I got the Natural History episode. I'm getting a lot of good feedback about the Rough Scale episode. So yeah. uh, the next episode is black-headed python so oh uh, i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna have an excitement seizure <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> so we're we're working on that uh we just finished up uh hopefully by this weekend uh the first episode of the field herping podcast will be up uh nipper is already at work on the uh second episode as i uh edit away on the first episode um and uh yeah. So, and then we got uh, humans of herp the culture. Uh, you know who's uh, who's going to be on next? You should get Justin on that. There you go. I would love to talk to. Yeah. Justin. Yeah, that man. You got to complete. You got to get the other half of the the carpet python. You're book, right. Guys, yeah. You know? yeah. 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 <laughs> Justin, I'll yeah. I'll be in touch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. See? Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. So for me, uh, you can find me at all the things uh, Centralian Exotics. 
uh, www.centralianexotics.com. And Riley has got his hands full, but he's uh, Riley's Reptiles on all the good yep. things. And looks like he's he's getting it done. He might actually rejoin us, but... Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he's still mute. Ah, oh, there he goes. He's back. There we go. Feel better Riley, now? You wanna, I just threw out your stuff a little bit, but do you want to throw out your stuff better? I need a drink. <laughs> there you have it, folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, don't, I don't. Goddamn snakes. <laughs> for for, uh, for us, uh, MoreliPythonRadio.com is the website. And um, if you want to send an email, send it to info at MoreliPythonRadio.com. Uh, NPR Network on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I am at E.B. Morelli on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Owen is at Rogue underscore Reptiles on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure I got that right. And Rob is at High Plains Herp on uh, Instagram. Teespring Store, NPR Network. Uh, and then uh, Riley is Riley's Reptiles, as the shirt says. Uh, Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. <laughs> Working on making more of these, by the way. I had Andy revamp my uh, the file and send it to me so I can eventually get off my butt and put those up there, too. So. Sweet. Beautiful. Yep. That's one day. I think yeah, so if you would uh, like to uh, send Riley a drink to uh, help with his sorrows, I'm sure you could DM him on Instagram. <laughs> or if anybody has any good tricks to like properly mounting these lights in, because the way the holes are drilled, the cables, and it sits, like I can't glue them in. I can't Velcro them in. Tape clearly doesn't hold up the weight of a snake. So any good ideas, send them my way. There you go. Excellent. Oh, uh, look, Justin is in. He's in. He's awesome. in there, Lucas. Awesome. Let's so, do it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll chat. I, I can't wait get to get back on episode. my horse. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All righty. I guess that's it, right? Yeah. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. And All right. Good time. See so, ya. Till next time. All right. Later. Later.